And so, after serving a short term as vice president, Joe was elected the president of America. Frito became vice president, and Rita, the former prostitute, became first lady. Today I step into the shoes of a great man. A man by the name of Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho. Under President Notchur's leadership, a new era dawned. You know, there was a time in this country when smart people were considered cool. Well, maybe not cool, but smart people did things like build ships and pyramids, and they even went to the moon. And there was a time in this country, a long time ago, when reading wasn't just for and neither was writing. People wrote books and movies, movies that had stories, so you cared whose ass it was and why it was farting, and I believe that time can come again. Three children, the three smartest kids in the world. Vice President Frito took eight wives and had a total of 32 kids. 32 of the dumbest kids ever to walk the earth. minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of january of the year of our lord 2009 thank you for coming by making a part of your listening day we are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of am 970 the talker this my friends is the rick emerson cavalcade of whimsy thank you for uh, coming along making a part of your listening day it is uh 503-733-2970 if you'd like to be part of our program today 503 503- 733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, ruminations, ponderings, musings, kvetches, whatever it is you might have today. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, uh, the presidential, the vice presidential. If you'd like to uh, chime in about how Dick Cheney looks like old man Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. You know, whatever it is you have, or the emperor, you know, whichever way you want to go with that. 503-733-2970. It is Tuesday. It is Tuesday the 20th, and uh, welcome to Day 12. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Apparently, Peter Jennings just said, of course, we'll keep you in touch with the inaugural balls. That's fantastic. That's what makes this country great right there. Uh, it is uh, Rick at RickEmerson.com, Sarah at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. Coming up in today's radio extravaganza, uh, we'll talk to Cena radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. He'll be joining us uh, from the Hill in Washington, D.C. Uh, also, Cena radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. 
who is there uh, watching the inauguration at Harlem Plaza in New York City. And senior radio correspondent James Roop, who is in Pasadena, California today. That's all on the way. What else, you might ask? Well, I'm here to tell you. Katie Darrell from TMZ, bubbly little sprite that she is, uh, will be joining us later on. Uh, at, the, uh, at the news desk today, our good friend David Walker will be stepping in. And uh, later on in the 2 o'clock hour, from Film.com, Chuck Latier and pundit Don Taylor will uh, be joining us there. So really it's just uh, more show than is legally allowed by law. Action-packed is what it is. Uh, let's see, what else do we have coming up today? Uh, Snuff Watch. What else? Darwin Watch coming up today. Probably not the final Bush Watch, because it just seems like a guy who's never really going to go away. It's going to be like a tick. Just to burn him out from underneath your skin. Anyway, uh, so we'll have uh, a Bush Watch today. Uh, at some point today, we'll be giving away... I really have to talk for just a second about uh, these Star Wars statues, which are fantastic. Um, and they are from uh, Things from Another World. Uh, one of our many fine partners in commerce. Things from another world who have just really given us a fistful of these things. Uh, these vinyl statues. And things from another world. These Star Wars. And I want to make sure that I pronounce this correctly. Korobukaya, I believe, is the company that makes these. They're very well regarded. Anyway, they're, they're righteous is what they are. Uh, so you can uh, find out more, by the way. You go to uh, Things from Another World. It's a T-F-A-W. Acronym TFAW.com slash Rick. Uh, you can find out more about those at TFAW.com slash Rick. And uh, you yourself can purchase one of those for 75% off while supplies last. So uh, today, though, today is not the Jedi era Leia uh, statue that I have uh, at my website. Today is Chewbacca. Uh, tomorrow, Princess Leia. Today, Chewbacca. Uh, so we'll be giving away one of those uh, before the end of today's program. Uh, one also goes out the door to the Glorious Bastard of the Week uh, on Thursday. So if you are not a Glorious Bastard, you've got to be that. But uh, you can go to uh, rickemerson.com to find out more. Or go to tfaw slash rick. Uh, also, Watchmen graphic novels to be giving away this week and next. So be listening for that. Uh, speaking of nerd stuff, tomorrow, Jonathan Colton on the program and so forth. And he's going to be at the Aladdin this coming Saturday the 24th. It's all very exciting. What else is coming up? All other stuff. We'll get your phone calls. Uh, all of that here in just a minute. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We're joined today as we usually are. Uh, wait, Peter Jennings is dead. Who was it that was saying the inaugural balls? It must have been Tom Brokaw. Wait, Tom Brokaw retired? I guess Peter Jennings isn't really saying anything. So, let me out. Uh, Sarah Dillon joining us on the program today. Hello, how are you today? Hello. All right. <laughs> I'm still really congested. Yeah, you sound, uh... I sound like a man. You sound like a man, Sarah. You don't sound I, very I sexy, man. And I can't hear because my ears are completely plugged, so I, like, have my headphones up higher than usual, but it's a lot of pressure because... That's great. Yeah, so it's like... So you're actually getting all of the deafness and damaging that comes with having your headphones really loud. You're just not getting any of the actual audio signal into your brain. Exactly, like being able to hear and whatnot. I should say that uh, you, ha you don't sound better than you did yesterday because I talked to you on the phone mm -hmm. uh, several times yesterday, and you don't... You, your voice doesn't sound better. I don't know if it sounds worse. sound about the same, but you do sound like you have a little more energy. I, I mean, feel a lot better. I slept, like, all, well, except for when, you know, I was making my excursion to Powell's book. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, I slept all day yesterday. Like, as soon as I called you, I went to Fred Meyer and went and bought, like, tea and, like, soup and a bunch of stuff. And Did you buy the soothing tea with the picture of the, the bear on the box? No, I just bought, like, the, the cheap, like, mint tea. Bought that and I bought some Theraflu. 
And then my upstairs neighbor, Jet, uh, gave me some NyQuil. So I, I took some therapy. It wasn't making me fall asleep. And I put on Titanic, which is my sick movie. Yeah. And uh, then I saw my upstairs neighbor, Jet, and she's like, oh, you need the blue curtain. And she gave me, like, a bunch of NyQuil. NyQuil really is the wonder drug that works wonders. It it gave me the weirdest dreams. I was just, like, kind of hallucinating, basically. Yeah. Like, I ended up... So I took that, fell asleep um, probably at, like, noon and slept till 6, and then kept myself up until about, like, 11 last night, so I wouldn't just, like, sleep all night. Because otherwise it just throws off your whole schedule. Yeah, I had, like, my weird post-apocalyptic dreams, and I was, like, As you, know, you always do. As I always do, and I'm, like, you know, living in some giant mansion on a hill, and, like, things. I don't know. It was just, it was weird. It was really weird. Well, that's the other day when Richie was talking about how he was doing shots of NyQuil all day. And I was like, you can't, you can't, like, you don't want to screw with that stuff. It'll, no, it'll that's kill you. scary. Yeah, that's NyQuil, it'll kill you Pretty dead. Strong. Uh, it is, well, that's, and as I always observe, there is a reason uh, why in the NyQuil commercial you are shown taking that in bed. <laughs> because wherever you take it is where you're going to wake up a few hours later. You take it on the couch, you take it in the kitchen, you're going to wake up in the kitchen. That's just, that, that, that's the way that works. So, yeah. NyQuil, if you, I got to tell you, though, if you really do need to sleep, and I'm not saying it's going it to be necessarily no, restful. I, I It'll put you on I, I cannot sleep ever. Like, my body will power through, like, Theraflu or yeah. anything else. Yeah. NyQuil, knock me out. No, it really is. Yeah, no, it's just this blue ring of uh, of uh, sonambulance that just comes down around your head. Well, I'm glad you're feeling at least incrementally. I'm, I am feeling a lot better. And um, I think it's, like, powered by the fact, too, that, you know, I haven't smoked in, like, three days. So I think my body is kind of, because I have no desire to, I can't, you know, even breathe right. alone to that. And so I think my... My body's also rebuilding itself from not smoking, too, so I'm dealing with, like, the trying to get better, but at the same time, you know, not having a cigarette for three days. It's kind of, I think, making me a little, like, more coffee. Do you get the, uh, now, if you don't smoke for a few days, do you get, does you, uh, this is so gross, but do you get phlegm if you don't smoke? Mm-hmm. Because I guess cigarette, because I guess nicotine is a stimulant which clears your lungs. So if you are lacking, I mean, that, 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 which, which is true. I mean, that's a, the nicotine is a stimulant, and, of course, the stimulant is also an, ex that's why if you take, um, that's why if you're like some asthma kid, like Aaron, you know, whatever you have the the, the whatever the inhaler, mm -hmm. the thing they take, because stimulants work to clear your lung passages, and then if it is an expectorant, uh, that it helps to clear out all of your phlegm. So if you're not smoking, then you just get all dunked up and whatever. Exactly. So I'm already like sick, and I have the cough and the and the stuffed up nose, and then you know, and then like the lack of smoking is making it even worse. Well, you know what? You sound fantastic. Thanks. I I feel fantastic. That'll let me a, tell you. It'll be a great day. So we did get this email. The thing, the Powell's thing that Sarah's alluding to. So we got this email yesterday around two thirty, and it was I almost forwarded it to you, but I think I've actually deleted it. Uh, but it, but a guy sent us an email like two thirty, and I think I prefaced it by saying that this is the sort of email that, uh, that prompts me to get deadbolts. I said that. It was just, it was an oddly specific email that said, Hey, Sarah must be feeling better. Uh, she just walked into Powell's books. I'm standing right next to her, which is odd. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, it, it was just, it was sort of, uh, it was just well, sort of strange. Well, there was also something even more disheartening that I heard yesterday. And by disheartening, do you mean revolting? By revolting and a lie, um, which is, I, I heard that something was insinuated yesterday and that, um, hey, I had a lot of people write me, actually, that were disappointed, Rick, that you didn't dump that because it was so... I think I didn't really dump it because it never even... Because I think it was, I was so ridiculous and disgusting. And be like, I was pissed. I think I was sort of... Just well back up for a second and describe what we're talking about. I think, in retrospect, listening back, I think we probably didn't dump it just because... Like, I think we were so busy being a gog at Richie, who fell into really just like a truly weird Scotty J kind of moment yesterday. No, I was just... I, I've never been more appalled... Then I heard, like, okay, you know what? Um, I might leave, like, food and stuff laying around my car and shoes and, like, old CD cases and stuff. But to hear what Richie insinuated he found in my car yesterday, I was floored. So we were talking about... Um, it was... It, I, I've never been that insulted. Right. 
I hate to interrupt for a second. Okay. Hey, there's somebody on the warm line. Um, okay, I'll get it. Can we see who that is? I want to make sure it's not like a CNN person. Oh, Brian Williams, by the way. Apparently it was Brian Williams that was referring to the uh, the inaugural balls. This one says, I was confusing Peter Jennings with Brian Williams. You know, they all look the same. Well, that is true. Uh, that's just a fact. All right. So yesterday, so Richie uh, came in yesterday, and we were, Kristen Bowie was here because Sarah Dillon was out sick. And so we were talking about whether or not Sarah had been sick over the weekend and whether Richie was going to, like, get a cough or you know, catch a cold or whatever, you know, if Sarah had been sort of breathing, you know, in his vicinity or whatever. And I said, well, you know, none of us had seen, I said, well, none of us have seen Sarah since Friday, you know, so it doesn't matter. You know, we're going to get sick or not. It doesn't matter. We haven't seen her in a few days. And this is yesterday, Monday. Richie says, no, no, no. I saw Sarah yesterday. I had to go pick up the car from her this weekend because Richie bought Sarah's old car inexplicably with $50 bills that he was carrying around in his wallet. Um, and so Richie's like, no, I had to go pick up Sarah's car this weekend because, uh, you know, because I bought it and I wanted to get taken care of. And I said, okay. And he goes, oh, and it's just filled with weird stuff. And I said, it's filled with weird. He goes, yeah, it's just filled with strange things. And I said, well, like what? And he goes, well, I don't know. We'll go through the list when Sarah gets back. And, of course, I'm never satisfied with that answer, so I said, well, come on, just tell us one strange thing that you found in Sarah's car. Just give us one. And then Richie opens his mouth, and to the surprise, I think, of everybody, says this patently absurd thing about, I know there was, like, some used feminine product in there. You said used, Richie. No, I, I listened didn't. to it. I'm pretty sure I said dirty. No, I listened I... to it four times. I said dirty. You know what? There's some things that you say in life that you that you should not say and are lies. Like, I understand I that... dirty, and I thought... Richie, listen. I understand that some things are theater of the mind, but for you to insinuate that I have, like, used feminine products used in my in car... There. I didn't say used. I meant dirty. And... Well, you said dirty feminine Dirty. That's, I meant like that's a, a mail file that was used under the seat. Yeah. I know, but that's just ridiculous and honestly like, quite embarrassing for me because I'm getting all these emails from people like, okay, I might like leave food in my car or like, you know, like like, like broken sunglasses file. or nail files, but whatever was alluded to me leaving in, in my car yesterday was just so inappropriate and so embarrassing because I get all these things from people who are, you know, just telling me that... That that is what it I don't know how it changed to used. I never said used. You said dirty, which I is a dirty. Everybody no, and then you're like, I didn't mean you're drawing used. a false distinction. Richie, I know, but if you listen to it, like I've listened to it, and I heard you, the tone and the inflection to what you said, and I understand it's theater of the mind, and you want to sound funny for the radio, but that's that's like a lie. I think the word you're looking for is disgusting. That is disgusting. I mean, because I might be gross. Something that is the worst thing I've ever heard. So I was talking to Sarah. So this is so. I was so mad. So then yesterday, yeah, Sarah was not in a good mood about this, and Sarah was especially since I'm delirious and since I've already been. Like, I've heard from people that, oh, I'm wandering around Powell's while I'm, like, delirious at my house, you know, crying watching Titanic. So like, that's the... It was really the best day ever. Uh, so that's the... So so yesterday, and as I think I told Sarah yesterday, I think when you and I were talking on the phone, I think I made some preface where I said, now look, um, I'm not trying to say that this is like a feminine thing in your head, uh, but realize you're going to hear the following thing that I'm going to say through the veil of being sick. So it's probably going to sound even worse than it really is. So just, uh... Just be prepared for that. Because she and I had talked earlier in the day about something, and it had just been kind of a crazy day yesterday, and I, I had sort of... I had sort of... They're like, oh, I was going to tell you about this little and thing, I couldn't and I can't remember. I can't what remember. It was. I couldn't remember for the life of me what it was. I'm like, oh, there was something else I was going to tell you about today's show, because Sarah was like, how did today's show go? And I, oh, Kristen came in, and it was good, and Todd Tolsis was in. And I said, there was something else that happened that I was going to tell you about, I can't remember what it was. And so that I remembered later on, and I went, ah, crap, that's going to be a fun conversation. So I pick up the phone... And I call Sarah, and she answers the phone, and, and I said, Hey, so I remember that thing I was going to tell you. Now, before I say anything, Sarah, realize that I don't mean to imply that you're listening uh, to this statement through an irrational female mind, but 
You're hearing this through a veil of illness, so take the following statements uh, with that grain of salt. And then I told the story about how Richie would come on the show and said, I found a used feminine blah, blah, blah in the car. And Sarah's just, there was this, you hear that phrase sometimes, the uh, where the air gets sucked out of a room? And it was like the air got sucked out of the telephone line, and I could sort of hear the vacuum on the other end, and I went, hello? And Sarah goes, are you kidding me? Are you effing kidding me? I mean, I hope you would know me well enough, Rick, to know that would not be true. Are you? I know, but I mean, come on, come like on having now. that... Well, which is, I think, to be fair, in my own defense, which is, I think, why we didn't even really bother to clarify it or dump it or anything yesterday, because it's just because it's just retarded, like it's just a patently absurd thing. I think we were more sort of agog at the fact that Richie would even mouth those words, and so we just sort of moved on yesterday. And there were a lot of emails like Sarah's going to cut off Richie's head when he gets back on, you know, when she gets back on Tuesday. It's going to be the best show ever. So. No, it's not that I'm upset. It's not that I'm mad. Oh, I'd be upset. Well, it's not that I'm mad. It's just I'm more insulted. I yeah, think. Richie. Like honestly, just to just to do that for for like comedy, just kind of hurts my feelings. Like this is the nail me. file. I, I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm just. Stupid. I know, Richie, I but got you. Nothing. I got but nothing. listening to your tone, you knew what you were alluding to. You knew it. But that's why I was like, holding until you came back. I know, but so. stop like coughing out now and pretending like you didn't know what you were insinuating. I think that uh, I would have to say that that is true. I would say that I the mean, way come on, it was like, phrased. Just you might think that you know that I might not hear it because I'm not there, but. I do believe. I will hear it. Everybody heard it. It yeah. happened. And I do believe that there was a lot of specificity. In fact, I do believe you mentioned Britney Spears, Richie. I'm yeah, you did. Sure. You said I'd do Britney Spears proud. It's a Britney Richie. Spears type thing. So I mean, so, I, mean I, think we all... I appreciate you feeling sad and, and morose about it now, but understand that you did do that, and there are consequences. You're going to feel much worse before the day is over, Richie. Great. All right. So we can replay go. it again. Let's replay it over and over. Let's make it a ringtone. So anyway, so that was fun. So then I had that conversation with Sarah last night. And she's like, I'm going to call Richie right now. F this. And she hangs up. And she calls me back. She goes, I couldn't find Richie. I left him a voicemail. I am so pissed. Oh, great. And I'm listening. Like, a bunch of my friend, my good friends are right now. They're like, I heard it yesterday, but I didn't want to call you because I knew you'd get upset. I knew yeah. it wasn't true, but it sucks that you weren't there to defend yourself. So I then, was calling you out like right. that. Right. And so then, so then, yeah, so then Sarah calls me back. She's like, I left a voicemail with Richie. I am so pissed right now. I can't believe he would do this. And I'm like, well, I said, you know, it's like it just All came right. off as like... I said, it just came off as like a retarded statement. I said, we were just sort of a god that he would say, and we moved on. And, and so it's just like, fine, I'm going to go back to sleep. Goodbye. And then, and then you call. And then I think I, I called you again later about something or other, maybe about Don Taylor coming in today. And that's when I was making again this statement like, now listen, I know that uh, you're sick right now, so it's just, uh, you know, you're viewing it through the, through well, the NyQuil haze. Why don't we see uh, how sorry Richie felt when he was saying it yesterday? Oh, this is, this is on you if you want to play this back. But I gotta, I gotta, we're going to make a movie, Sarah Dillon's Ex-Car. All right, so just yes. so awkward. Just just take, me, well, Richie said that he didn't mean anything. Tell me one thing you found in Sarah's car. One thing. You just tell me one, one, one. I wanted item. to save the hard punch, good one. Let's just say dirty feminine stuff. Oh, see, oh okay, I'm sorry, Richie. Okay, that's, see, that's, there's no, you know there's what? no defending that. Please tell me you meant nail file. Please look me in the eye and tell me that statement meant nail file. I meant dirty stuff under, like, the seat and stuff. I mean, not used. I think if you were to poll 100 people out of 100 people. Why don't we continue as to, like, how you, how you kind of make sure that people know what you're talking about, what you're insinuating? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to take pictures, but I, it's just one of those things that... I, didn't I wasn't want to do expecting to that answer. I didn't want to do it to Sarah. Would you say it's like a Britney Spears style? You, Britney would be proud of Sarah. See, right there. So we're giving you the chance to clarify and say, no, no, no. See, it's pictures a, of what? Uh, of, a, of a nail? I don't understand. No, no, no. It's a crimping iron. 
It's all... Richie? It's all very awkward. Look at me. What? Why Why did you do that? It was a dirty. It was dirty. It was just dirty, not you. Stuff like under the seat. Well, I really wish that you would have picked something more hilarious so that we could have gone through a list and made it a funny bit. I wasn't bit. thinking about it, obviously. Well, you gotta think, dude. So, thanks for doing that when I wasn't here to defend myself. I appreciate it. Sorry to be awkward. Let's move forward. How about that Sam Adams, huh? How about it? How hey. about our new president-elect, right? Uh, oh, that's right. There was an inauguration Yeah, we had, like, morning. a new president and stuff. I'm all just distracted by the Sam Adams thing. So, um, you know I the Sam Adams thing. You know the Sam Adams thing? Yeah, I heard about it yesterday. Okay, all right. How, so we'll talk about it. But the guy was, he was... Oh, no, cool. it's fine. No, you know what? It doesn't matter to me. You know, Sam Adams should be like, I'm hot. What do you want? I told, I emailed Todd the Corpse about that, like, because Todd the Corpse had forwarded this message, like, check out our hot mayor. And I emailed back, and then, like, his defense should be like, I am the hottest mayor in the country. Like, what do you want? He was legal. Get off me. Mm-hmm. So, all right, well, is this Lisa Desjardins probably calling in? All right. Well, now there's a whole bank of calls and Lisa, and I haven't gotten to the hot mayor, and we got Barack Obama. We should just do this here. This is, can, Richie, can you go check? Yes. I'm not trying to hustle <laughs> you out of the room. But this is a good chance for you to oh, leave. Pleasure. You, uh, why don't you go see if this is if this is Lisa Desjardins? All right. Can we? I'm not going to pick it up quite. You can we drop the mono mm-hmm. bed here? Can I bring the room down? Can we just wrap for a second? All Absolutely. right. Do you feel better? I feel a bit better. I just I hate it when he gets so flustered that he can't even properly explain himself because right. he's like still not. He's like, well, it's just. You know, files. And like, right. Well, and I and look, and I, listening. I mean, I feel bad that we didn't dump it. I think we were just so. Yeah, I'm kind of. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to be like. Oh, that's fine. I mean, angry be, about it. Be but I mean, I mean I'm, well, no. especially since now that we're talking about it, like a lot of my friends had held back to not tell me because right. they knew that I'd be upset. Well, that wasn't true. I have to tell you because I, the first time we talked yesterday, I honestly couldn't remember. I had this whole list of things in my head, and I was in kind of a fragmented mood yesterday. You know, because you. I mean, it was two things. I mean, it was you were gone, and it was also vacation day. And you know how I deal with. You know, with things that are different or when my schedule is, you know, my, my, my routine is off. So on the one hand, it was it was a vacation day, so I was kind of in a weird headspace. And then you were not here, which is fine. You know, you're sick. And so then I had, so my head was all kind of jumbled anyway. So we're talking yesterday afternoon, and I'm like, why was that other thing I was going to mention? And then later when I thought about it, I'm like, I thought long and hard. I'm like, do I want to call Sarah and, like, tell her about this thing that got said? And the only reason I did is because I think, you know, if she doesn't hear it from me, she's going to hear about it on the street. So then I called you back, and I was sort of relaying the conversation to you, and just, I think I could actually hear you at one point go like, and just just suck every bit of air out of the conversation. Well, I remember one of the conversations that we had when we first started working together was when I didn't really know how to speak on the radio that well, and when I would kind of make things up to, I remember you pulling me aside, like, uh, we probably worked together for about a year, and you had pulled me aside about something, and I was, like, joking about something on the air, but making up something that wasn't true right, about you. Right. And you pulled me aside after the show one day, and you're like, Sarah, I understand that some things are funny on shows, like, but it's, what's not funny is to lie. I remember tr- exactly what it yep. was, too. You do? I do. It was the thing where you, uh, it was, uh, I'm sorry that Lisa has to be on the uh, on the phone hearing all this, but it's all our dirty laundry, so to speak. Um, but I remember exactly what it was. And because we ended up making a big, and here's the thing. I remember exactly what it was, and I'm, believe me when I say that I'm not carrying a grudge about it because I got a thick skin. I don't care. Uh, but I remember exactly what it was. And this again is early on. This is when you and I had were very first working together. And again, it takes a while to figure out what because while we're not sort of, you know, well, we're not kind of a. It, it, it's not a radio show where we just sort of uh, you, uh, pretend that we're a way that we're not, or you know, whatever. You do, you know, everybody. You kind of exaggerate. I think certain elements of yourself. I and mean, everybody, you know, it's like Stern used to talk about that. They're all. 
they're all facets of the real person, but it's sometimes they get blown up a little bigger for the radio because it's because you're losing all of your other senses except for sound. Mm-hmm. You're losing sight and touch and whatever. So and so the everything's got to be made a little more primary color on the radio. That being said, we don't flat out just make stuff up, and that can be a weird distinction uh, for people to you know to try to get when they're first working in radio. Anyway, that being said. This is a long oh, time God, ago. I don't remember. This, no, it's not remember. that bad. Okay. Look, it's not like you were saying, like, and Rick had used rubbers laying around. Yeah. Um, the, this is when Sarah and I were first working together years ago, but this is a thing you said uh, that you just, you just sort of made up. Cause, uh, and, again, I understand because you theater the mind. You thought it would be funny. Mm-hmm. And it stuck to the point that, like, we actually had to sort of disabuse people of the notion. And it is the thing you said years ago when you claimed <gasps> falsely that I insisted that people refer to me as the talent. <laughs> forgot about yeah that. and see and that was and that's when you taught me because it's like because that was a lie that i thought would be funny on the air to, to create a person well, and now funny in the way you anticipate and now the shoe's on the other foot and, yeah. uh, and now you know because richie's done a lot in radio but i know he hasn't been on the radio right. a lot so i think he doesn't know like you and i had spoken i don't think richie knows the line until he crosses it yeah no that's richie doesn't really understand where the fire is until he puts his hand into it until yeah and and part of the and I get you know, part of the blame is on me. I mean, I you know I'm the guy that probably should have just dumped it, but I think I know I think that's just so it, ridiculous that that was my thing, and so I apologize for not dumping it. It just that's sounds, okay. It's just like it just I hope that nobody was, would ever think that because that's like I'm you know I'm not the the most self conscious person, but at the same time you know there I have my hideous. I have my limits, yeah. and that is so not no, appropriate. It's that is not. Well, there's things you are and there's things you're not. And then that is something I so, am. So just like, you know, there's things that are, what I am not is like, call me the talent. Look at the floor. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I think it was just so patently uh, just, just retarded, like on the surface of it. And I think we were all just sort of uh, flabbergasted that he would say that, that we just sort of moved on, I think, in this sort of state of semi-shock, which is why it didn't get dumped, which if I had it to do over again, I clearly would have done. Mm-hmm. So... Well, well I'm, glad. I'm glad that I was laying in bed crying and sick and being taken advantage of. <laughs> yeah, well, That's awesome. It's what we do. Yeah. On that note. Well, thank you so much. I was just going to sit there and feel awkward. How about that Sam Adams? Uh, hello. Hi, Lisa Desjardins from the Hill. How are you today? Hi. Hi. Jubilation on the East Coast. It sounds like confusion and I don't know. Distress. Badness. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a whole combination of things happening. Today. But it is a very good bad day. Uh, okay, so, all right. So the inauguration, which already seems like it was about a week ago. Um, <laughs> oh my god! It feels that my body feels like it was a week ago. Yeah. I mean, look, we I mean, we you know we carried um, we carried uh, the you know sort of the, the raw feed as they say this morning. We had uh, Barack Obama you know, taking the you know taking the oath of office and then giving his inaugural address and uh, and then whatever that. That, uh, the, the, was it the poet laureate or laureate laureate whatever laureate whatever it is the, however you say it, that spoke after him inaugural poet yep and so anyway so we we carried that and about at that point we we kind of said well this is this is over we've we, yeah, we've carried them yeah the like a benediction you know big civil rights leader but that that went on as well for and a so it was I mean it's just a uh, I don't know it's one of those things that I almost feel like uh, I almost feel like I can't really even speak to it because it was just such a huge massive thing. That's it's like any commentary I can make out, and is almost just a, you know, it's just so insignificant. It's just, just just to be pointless. But um, so where were you at? Where where were you sort of physically in the sea of humanity out there? Right. If you're looking, you know, on your TV screen, looking at Barack Obama's face, we were on the riser to the left, 
as you look at as you look at. All your, right, and so that's so I mean that's that's pretty fantastic. So what it was ridiculous? Just uh, 150 feet away, I think something like that. So as a journalist, uh, if you right. can even put this into words, as a journalist, what was the the vibe, for lack of a better word? Oh, it was overwhelming, and you know it is. I even feel you know we talk about all these expectations that are on Barack Obama, and I feel like. I feel like I missed my own. You know, I, there are expectations on us to how, what words can we shower upon this? You know, it just kind of was getting ridiculous. But I, but honestly, when I uh, woke up this morning around 4 a.m. or whenever it was, and I could look out from the Capitol at the mall and I could see that there were hordes of people at 4 a.m. marching onto the mall, which had just been opened up. And then by 6 a.m., you could see that most of the mall was full. Like, right. the front sections were all full. And that's when you kind of were like, man, this really is what they said it was going to be. You know, it was just incredible. It was, the, And the crowd was singing and dancing. Almost, and I almost think, though, it was um, the crowd was kind of on a sugar high, though, by the time the inauguration was over because they had all been up since 4 a.m. and in the cold, so you're all kind of shaking and dancing. Everyone's singing. It's incredibly joyful time for the people who came. Um, I think when it was over, everyone I talked to was really like, yeah, that was really that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. You know, like they were all kind of, they had been so energetic for so long that they were all kind of worn out from it. Well, it does seem this is sort of the, um, you know, this is the final, this is like when you go to see the band and that, you know, that they, and they play the whole show and then they do a couple encores and then finally they come out and they play the big, huge, uh, you know, the big crowd pleasing finale that brings the roof down. And that's kind of what this is in the sense that it, you know, I think the high point was that was obviously election night, you know, in terms of energy and especially if you're a Barack o, uh, Obama supporter, just in terms of the enthusiasm. I mean, the, the election night was clearly that was the peak of the whole thing. But this was then this was then the big, strong, final period on the sentence, mm-hmm. uh, certainly historically. And then depending, you know, where you are in the ideological spectrum politically, uh, it was just um, it had a, it had a sense of it did have a sense of. Um, it's the word I'm looking for. Just, just a, just a, a final ceiling of the moment, which I know sounds like a dumb statement because it's the inauguration, so it is the ceiling of the moment. But you know what I mean? Just attitudinally, that well, sort of seemed to be the tone. There were great um, metaphors there too. I mean, Dick Cheney rolling out in his wheelchair was kind of amazing. And honestly, the one of the biggest bursts of applause that you could hear from the entire crowd was when they flashed the picture of George W. Bush getting onto the helicopter. Yeah. And that was when, and the crowd, and then when the helicopter flew over the Capitol and flew over the mall, the crowd went nuts. I mean, everyone was just, you know, goodbye. They were, they, that, that was almost more exuberant in a way than the speech because the speech was not, he's had really rousing speeches where he's, you know, he, you kind of, he gets into that preacher rhythm and he's pounding away at one message. This speech, I felt like, hit a lot of ground. And he had a couple of good lines in it, but it wasn't that same, I am going to lift you up like, you know, drugs you would pay a lot of money for. This was more, this seemed to be more um, pragmatic. But, I mean, there were, there were, you know, there were the nice, you know, drug-induced high moments, but not as many. Well, okay, then. Uh, Barack, <laughs> Barack Obama, the pseudo-ephedrine of speeches, uh, usually. All right. Uh, I, you, know, you know, I'll say this. I'll say that about the speech, I... Uh, I will say that from my perspective, I, I would say it was a very good speech. It, just in terms of how it resonated with me, uh, I wouldn't say it was a great speech, which I don't say to be to be a jerk. Uh, I'm just saying, uh, you know, it felt. I think like it, here's the the deal. In my assessment, 
You know what it is? It's like when it's like when I was an altar boy. Uh, when I was an altar boy as a kid, and you know the deal is you gotta you know you gotta walk up onto the uh, onto the altar and you gotta carry the water and the wine and the host and the cross and the candles and the whatever. And the priest used to just say to us, "Look, your job is to not fall over." I mean, that was the, the thing they would say, which I did at one point, by the way. Uh, there was, I think it was like the second or third time I was ever uh, you know, helping in a church service uh, as an altar boy, and the not the surplus, the cassock that I was wearing, which is the black robe that the altar boys wear, or altar girls if you go to a godless progressive church. The It was too long, and my sneakers caught on it, and I just fell right on my face, right on the altar, Uh-oh. fell on my face, and I had been carrying the small tray of water and wine, and the water and wine onto the carpet. It was just a... And then you think you're going to go to hell, and it was just a whole thing. Um you know, but but the, but the priest had actually look, your kid, your job is to not fall over, and I think to a certain extent today for Barack Obama because it is probably I would say today probably the biggest audience he's ever going to have at one time ever. No matter, I mean, unless he just sort of addresses the entire planet like V for Vendetta style at some point. He's, right, right. So his job was just not to trip. I mean, figuratively, and. And, you know, I think in a way he may have helped himself kind of lower expectations too a little bit, you know, because the the hype around him and the expectations around him are so huge that almost, this speech, I feel like, all right, guys, we're going to take it down a notch. <laughs> you know, we're guys, we got some work to do, and uh, it's not going to be all pseudo ephedrine. Well, and it, and it just, I mean, it was. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was it was a very good speech. Oh it no, was, I think so too. I think was, it was a very good speech. Well, I I just feel like there was he he really hit. A lot of kind of tougher topics. He, he spoke to the world. He spoke to poor nations, to Muslims. He talked about his dad. He he just hit a lot, a lot of of areas. And I mean, I could also tell in in the speech he was giving, the inaugural speech today, that he was there was sort of a blunting of the language uh, a little bit in the sense that I, I mean, you can sort of hear when language is being polished or parsed in just the right way so that it either says something without saying it or it seems to say something without saying it and there was here's a great example of this when he was talking about uh religion and tolerance or whatever and he said um he said you know we're a nation of muslims of christians of jews of hindus pause and of non-believers and not <laughs> atheists because you don't want to say atheist, because, you know, that's a word that makes people uncomfortable. <laughs> you don't want to say agnostic, because that's a word that confuses people. Right, what? Uh, and, you know, but, and, and you don't want to sound like you're happy that there are non-believers, because then you're not a man of God. And so what you do is you insert the beat, and then you say non-believers, but you downward inflect it. You say, you know, of Hindus and non-believers, downward inflection, implying that I disapprove of non-belief, even though I'm not saying it, because I wish to look as though I am uniting the people. So, the, which is, you know, fine. That's, that's the way politics goes. So, it was a solid triple, though. I would say tonight, uh, today, this morning's speech was a solid triple. I, 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 th- I think that's good. Yeah, I, I, I think that sounds, that sounds about right to me. How yeah. much did Dick Cheney look like Old Man Potter from It's a Wonderful Life? Oh, no, he kind of did, just with a broader brimmed hat. And he had the cane. Yeah, and happy was, inauguration. And the way, the way he leaned, he did have that kind of Potter, you know. Yeah. Uh, over. Um, so I, I, don't even, I don't even know where to I mean, you were there, I wasn't. What else? Oh, what are the other big I mean, beats the from whole today? Thing was, the whole thing was very surreal from where we were, because, you know, I walk in. Now, Dick Giuliano had to go through nine... Um, security checks to get to where we were, and I just spent the night at the Capitol. I just slept here, so I I had a much easier time get getting there. But you go down there and you you know you show your badge at the one place I had to show my badge, 
and you walk in and the, you know, you're in this very small area right in front of the podium and there right in front of you is like Don King and then there's John Cusack and then there's a bunch of like, you know, guys that somehow got a ticket probably from a lottery that, you know, have like ripped jeans and didn't realize how cold it was and probably work at Kinko's and it was just this really um, amazing combination of very rich, very powerful, very, very lucky, famous, yeah. and very lucky. Yeah. I love the idea of Don King and John Cusack standing next to each other, by the way. That really is America right there. They were probably, at one point, maybe 20 feet apart or something like That's, that. Uh, yeah. That is what Barack Obama today called the patchwork heritage That's of our country. Right, and Don King, I know that he had his hair, like it was like a formal, like it was down a couple of inches. <laughs> it was yeah. like it was, his, it was his formal hair. It was his formal hairdo. That's right. That's what it was. Uh, but, you know, it was one of these. Right. It's, it's almost hard still for me to take in exactly everything that we saw right. and everything that was going on. Was I, uh, I remember when they actually uh, on CNN, they were saying, because, of course, even before he takes the oath, uh, you know, at, at noon Eastern, nine o'clock, uh, nine o'clock a.m. Pacific, uh, he became president. Of course, you know, in other words, he doesn't have to take the right. oath. The Constitution just and makes con him the president right. at nine. And I remember they, they actually flashed it on the screen. They said, by the way, even though he hasn't taken the oath, Barack Obama five seconds ago president. became president. And that was kind of a you, and immediately I think about I think about George Bush just leaving. And you think it's sort of a ah, OK, sort of a. And by the way, right now, if you listen really carefully, you can hear a billion mouse clicks from clever photoshoppers everywhere putting Bush's head on Nixon's body as he gets into that, uh, you know, the uh, Marine one or whatever, flashing the double peace sign to, you know, get the hell out of there. <laughs> I'm wondering how long do you think it will take to have the, you know, the annual, uh, you know, you always mess up the writing of the date, you know, though it's one twenty oh nine. Right, right. How long is it going to take? President elect, President Obama. Yeah. Former President Bush. How, uh, how long until we're used to that? I don't think it's going to take long at all because I think about six months ago we were all just like, okay, look. I know that technically George Bush is still in office, but we're going to pretend he's not. <laughs> we're going to pretend he's already gone, and we're just we're going to ignore him, and when he talks. We're just we're going to look the other way, and and we're just if we all don't you know if we all look away maybe he won't be there anymore. So I think we've already moved on mentally. That's just be my. Yeah, that's probably true. you know. And actually, I had to keep reminding you know I had to keep saying well you know it's also George W. Bush's last day. It was it was so much Obama's day that I think it was easy to forget until he ab until he left. Right, right. And then it was like everyone was like oh my gosh that's right George yeah. W. Bush. Is oh that guy. Yeah. That guy's gone. What do you know? Um, are you on tomorrow, Lisa Desjardins? Yes, that's my plan. All right, then uh, go go rest up uh, once you're done with the workday, and uh, we will uh, undoubtedly have more thoughts about this tomorrow. I think we're all kind of still oh, in the. Uh, I myself. A okay. little bit of a uh, little bit. I think everybody's kind of feeling a little bit overwhelmed about it today, so we'll we'll undoubtedly have more thoughts uh, on on Wednesday. Sounds good. All right, thank you, Lisa. Okay, bye. There you go, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hello. All right. Uh, let's see here. Good. Uh, somebody calling about Peter Jennings. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Armour. Are you calling to tell me Peter Jennings is dead? Yeah, I am. <laughs> yes, I think she was talking about Brian Williams. Peter Jennings is the Canadian one. Brian Williams is not. Peter right. Jennings, dead. Brian Williams, alive. Brian Williams, though, uh, earlier uh, today was talking about um, keeping an eye on the inaugural balls, or keeping in touch with the inaugural balls, I think is what he was right. doing. So. There's one thing. Can I ask you something totally uh, uh, off the subject? I don't know. Let me flip a coin. Hold on. No, I don't have a coin, so yes, go ahead. Uh, uh, Chinese democracy. Did you ever make any remarks on the air as to what you thought about it? Uh, it's a good record. It's just not a good Guns N' Roses record. Um, if Chinese democracy was just called Axl Rose Chinese democracy, everybody would think it was okay, probably a six and a half or seven out of ten. It's just not a Guns N' Roses record. I mean, it's you know neither good nor bad. It's just not a Guns N' Roses album. It's not you know, nothing wrong with it. It's, it's a perfectly serviceable, if somewhat sterile, rock album. It just... 
you can't put, you just can't put the, the label Guns N' Roses on it and then expect people to go, ah, fine, it's fantastic. I put it up there with Appetite. It's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a fine record. It's, you know, again, you know, it's somewhere between a double and a triple. It's not a home run. It's a, it's a decent record. Uh, but, you know, somebody should have been. But the problem with Axl Rose is just like there's nobody powerful enough to pull Dick Clark aside and go, Dick, no one can understand anything you're saying, and you're creeping everybody out, to be, to be honest. So if you could go home, there's nobody powerful enough to pull Axl Rose aside and say, look, dude, I know you own the name, but g- give it a rest. Just call it an Axl Rose joint and just move on with it. So, anyway. Yeah. I really trust your uh, your musical. Yeah, your, I mean it's not it's, it's not a classic, but I'd say it's certainly a fine album. I give it a thumbs up. I really like it. But anyway, I just wanted to hear your opinion. All right, thank, thank you, you, sir. All right, later. All right, there you go. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, we can just move on. Let's see. I have no idea what most of these calls are about. So, every line on the board, an adventure. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. How's it going, guys? Hello. I don't hi. know, Richie. Uh, but here's the best thing about this: just. Literally, as I was picking up this call and saying, I don't know what any of these are about, Richie typed on the screen, you might not want to pick this call up. Uh, is this, uh, this going uh, to be an awkward and uncomfortable call, sir? No, it's just an observation that, mm-hmm. you know... Um, hold on a second. When someone, someone just, 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 hold, just, hold on hold on a second before you, before you speak. Hold on. <laughs> Sarah, do you want to flip a coin? I don't know if I have a coin. All right. Sarah, how do you feel? What does your gut say about this? I don't know if he's already Hold on a second, sir. Don't hurt. Sir, stay right there. Don't go anywhere. Hey, Richie, can you join us in the studio, please? Richie, can you come back into the studio? You need to play his song. Because you'll have to do it at some point. Uh, Let's see. Where to be? You can join us in the studio. That'd be fantastic. I mean, we might as well just run, uh, you know, headward into all of this. All right, I got, Richie, I got calls on the screen. I got to go. Uh-huh. Why have you typed on the screen that I might not want to pick this up? Rick, I, the call screen thing's still going. I'm sorry? Can you hear that? Oh. Okay, why have you typed on the screen that I might not want to take this? I think he's going to defend me, and there's nothing really to defend. And I don't think he should what do you mean he's going to defend you? Uh, from the, the gist I got, he was going to defend me. But, so, but how? I don't know. That's why I said on the uh, on the classic one to five scale. How confident do you feel that this call is going to go well? Me? Yes. I don't know. I haven't talked to him. A two. <laughs> one, it's going to be. Uh, well, now we have going, to take it because it's going to be entertaining. All right. Okay. Hello, sir. What is the content of your call? Okay. It just seems to me that I know she's sick, but it seems to me that Sarah's not. You know, she can't take a joke. You know, give give Richie a break. Dude, I can tell totally... you. Who... Okay, I'll let you finish. Go ahead. Sorry. Finish your call. Or finish your thoughts, sir. Oh, it's just, you know, thou who protests too much. You know, now it would have been just a joke, but now that she got so worked up about it, I kind of believe Richie. <laughs> mm. That's wrong. <laughs> really? Honestly? Yeah, honestly, yeah. Because, like, if you take, you know, someone says something to you that hurts you or maybe hits too close to home, you hold laugh. Hold on, hold on. So, yeah, if I, so if I were to say so if I were to say that, like, you know, Tony has dead cheerleaders in the trunk of his car, and you were to say, well, no, I don't, then therefore it becomes no, true. No, I've been like, yeah, I got 10, or I got 15. Of course I do. You know, laugh yeah. it off. Here's the thing, is yeah. I instinctively <laughs> believe you. <laughs> I do believe the cheerleaders in the trunk. Yeah, I think, here's the thing. I think here's the, if I can just uh, step into the female mind, sir. I believe that as a guy... Uh, you just don't have any problem with people insinuating hideous and disgusting things about you because you're a guy. You're gross. It just comes with it comes with the the Y chromosome, sir. You are hideous, yeah. uh, just in yeah. the same way that I am. I think women are uh, are sensitive to to hideous allegations about them. 
Okay, yeah. Well, she he wasn't being real specific. Oh, you know? yes. Oh, so now really? She, really? What color is the sky in your world? Well, no, she, she said dirty feminine products. You know, it could have been a comb. Ah, no, no, no. No, here's, here's how you Any know that's here's how you know here's how you know that's not the case though. You know that's not the case. You know that's not the, you know it's not the case because when somebody said, "Do you mean like Britney Spears?" and Richie said, "She'd make Britney Spears proud." And everyone immediately came to exactly What's the same conclusion. Feminine product, oh, see, so now you're being that no, guy I again. Swear, now you're backtracking. I don't know what you're talking about. I just. What's the Britney Spears thing? I don't get it. Okay, well, hold on. Well, okay. See, that's what I mean. Right. I don't. Okay, but then. I know what, she's but, dirty no, and but, stuff, but. Okay, but see, now, but see, now you're, you, now you're going back and undoing your own acknowledgement of what you said. What were you referring to? She's just. Not, I mean, no, but you said you. Yeah, it was a filthy we can old play it back again you. if you want, because you were referring to something specific. A feminine thing, but what is that when you say that? A tampon. Uh huh. That's that's the point. I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, but I mean, you say well, it could have been anything, but clearly, just as I was trying to make the point to the guy, I guess in the abstract, you could have been referring to like a pizza box, but you were but referring honestly, to a feminine I, hygiene I didn't put product. The connection with Britney Spears, I don't know what that means. I didn't know what I mean. I. She asked me. Never mind. It's just I feel bad because you're bumbling today, but yesterday you sounded just mean when you were doing it. I'm just saying. I'm not there. There seemed to be. I'm stupid, and I felt like, you know, I'm like, oh, she. Take advantage of the fact that I'm not here. That's why I didn't want to talk about it. Sarah's gone. Now is my chance. Yes. There's no such thing as a podcast. Came out, and it was wrong. All right. Well, that was Tony. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. Uh, so I guess at some point we're going to be having uh, Steve Katzenbaum, yeah, but, nine minutes but apparently not. Well, it's so. probably crazy for him today. All right. All right. Can I go? Oh, you'll be back. All right. There you go. Uh, let's see here. Well, let me just uh, go through these calls and we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Now uh, Richie's being a punk because you can tell by the way he was talking that he absolutely wanted to imply that Sarah Dillon had left something gross. I mean, you know, that's, and that's the thing. It's like, I, you know, it's no... It's like I feel bad for him because now he's, like, being all like, oh, woe is me, and he was sending me a bunch of, like, I'm so sad, I'm at the brink of tears emails last really? night. And then, like, and then I hear that over again today. Well, it's like that... And I don't mean that, not, not to bash on the last call. I don't mean to be, like, to be digging at the last guy. But, I mean, I mean... It wouldn't like, but here's the, if he would have instantly followed it up with, I found something dirty, and then instantly would have followed it up with a dirty fingernail file. Because then... Because uh, then funny, it's you but, think it's one thing, but then it's another. And to leave it all day, and, and just you know, it was punk. and you know, and but again, just go about the last caller. I, you know, I don't mean to be like a like a douche and you're talking about the guy after he's gone. But look, we're all grown ups. I mean, we're all adults. We you know, we're all we're all thinking humans. We all understand uh, what we all understand implications, and we're all able to infer. Everybody knows we're all you know, we all know how the English language works. And clearly, like when I you talk about a feminine product, together. what's that? If I was to say that Richie and I spent last night together, then we, we would imply like we had a slumber party and drank beer and watched movies. We all know what you're talking about there. That's like in the uh, you know if you go to the uh, if you go to the uh, supermarket that we all know what's in the aisle that says feminine project uh, products. I mean everybody sort of feminine knows project. feminine <laughs> projects. So all right, thank you, sir. Bye. All right, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, Rick. Hey. Um, I had a question for Lisa. Unfortunately, why don't you ask and I'll answer in Lisa's voice. Uh, well, actually, I wanted to know, since she was sitting so close, that when Barack started sticking needles in Bush's uh, skin, if he even flinched or did anything because the cameras weren't on him. And I was just wondering, since she was so close, if she actually saw him, 
you know, react in any way. I, every time I saw, I was watching CNN, every time they showed, they showed Bush, it was just a big blank. It was just a lot of like, I'm going to get me a taco later. I mean, every, yeah, there's a well, whole lot of... Look, yeah, but that's what they, what they uh, wanted to show you, no, you no, know. It, I was just wondering if you seen anything. No, there's all. nothing going on in that guy's head. It's just a, <laughs> it's a vacuum. Yeah, well, I, I, he stuck some needles in him pretty pretty hard. So. I, from my I when I was looking at, you know, when I was watching Bush, it would, I mean, and I wouldn't see him every second, but it... I mean, what's he going to do? I mean, he's, the thing about George Bush is he is a politician, and he knows, uh, you know, he knows enough just to he knows enough not to say anything. I mean, he's in, he's been well, in front he of crowds long enough. He knows he knows not to flinch. Yeah, he well, that's why I wanted to ask her if she wow. saw him flinch. And at then all. just and maybe then tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, declining my offer of radio theater. I offer to act it out in Lisa's voice, which would be hilarious. Maybe lighten the mood a bit. No, 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 not good enough. That's fine. All right, that's uh, okay. Well, well, maybe tomorrow. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, everybody's crazy today. Hi. Uh, hello. Hello. Hi, how can I help you today? Oh, uh, time for change, Rick. we got to purge that old uh, rock urban legend out of your file cabinet there. Your uh, one about uh, that chick on the Rolling Stones record being that chick on the Pink Floyd record. Is it not the great gig in the sky, woman? Uh, well, the woman, the chick, no, it is not the same. And if you Google who who was on the Rolling Stone record... We're talking, by the way, just so we're the, we were playing Gimme Shelter yesterday in the top five, and I was noting that I was, under, I was under the impression that the woman who is the backup singer on Gimme Shelter is the same woman who does the vocals on the Pink Floyd song Great Gig in the Sky on Dark Side Yeah, you've been saying that for a couple of years now, but that's okay. We know you're from Kennewick. That's all right. So who is it? <laughs> ah... Uh, uh, Hello. The ex, the ex-wife of James Taylor. There's a hit for you. Carol King. <laughs> no. No. Before that. Seriously, you got like five seconds to tell me the answer. Okay, Google it, dude. Later. Uh, Jesus Christ. That was really not. It's just a waste <laughs> of time. The return on investment for that call was so low that it can't even be charted. Jesus. Now they're making me cranky. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. We should get Richie back in here again so somebody we can all agree on. It's call with the answer, don't call with the answer. Good God almighty, you billion-dollar technology so a guy can play Jeopardy with me. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello? How, how are you, miss? How's your day going? Good. Well, that's wonderful. How can I help you today? <laughs> oh, I'm calling. I didn't know if you were talking to me. I'm calling to wish my friend Paul happy birthday. Well, that's great. Uh, and so uh, <laughs> I'm in London. He's in Oregon. So I you're in London call. right now. I'm in London right now. Yeah. Okay. So wait. Hold on a second. Can you just hold on one moment? Uh, I'll put you back and hold. I'm going to sit down for a second. Jesus God. All right. Is there? Is it me or is there something in the air today? There's there's angry and crazy and happy right. in the air. I am. You know. I mean to be grumpy about the Rolling Stones guy, but I mean. Seriously, if it's been bugging you for three years, just tell me the answer. Since clearly he knows, if I could just say this one thing. So the guy that was just like calling up and doing like the 20 questions thing uh, with me about the, about the, if you're going to preface your call about the, about the Rolling Stones backup singer, if you're going to preface it by pointing out that I've been giving the wrong answer for three years, what then leads you to believe that by quizzing me about it, you're somehow going to miraculously shake the right answer loose in my brain? I do not know. The whole reason for the call was that I've been given the wrong answer since, like, I don't know, 2005. 
So uh, the odds that I'm you know, instantly just going to come up with the, with the correct response, that would the, the, the odds would seem to be long on that. And now I still don't know who it is. And now, out of spite, I'm never going to Google it, and I'm going to insist that it's that woman until the end of my life. Also, Mama Cass choked on a sandwich. All right. All right, so, Molly, you are in London. I am in London. Part right. of London. Well, come on over. For the love of God. All right, uh, so uh, to, to whom are you wishing a happy birthday? Uh, my best friend, Paul. All right, excellent. Uh, you now have five <laughs> seconds to speak to Paul. Go. Howdy, Paul. Happy birthday. Love you. Miss you loads. Get your freaking passport and get to London. Excellent. All right, well, <laughs> succinct and sentimental. All right, thank you, Molly. Cheers. All right, there you go. Jesus God. I thought it was a day of unity, Sarah. Me too. All right. This is Richie's fault. It is Richie's fault. Right. How about that Sam Adams? How about him? Good can for I, him. Can, going I, and... can I say this? I don't care. I don't care. I don't that care. has nothing to do with what he does. I couldn't possibly care Everyone's less. Everyone's just jealous because he's a beautiful man who was shipping a really hot You know what? It, if <laughs> I was, was legal. I'm just going to, yeah, that, that's the other thing. By the way, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you right now. I don't, I'm not speaking for, I'm not Sam Adams' uh, designated spokesperson. If I were Sam Adams, I'd be humping every hot guy I could possibly find. I mean, I don't know if he's in a relationship or if he has a significant not my business, if he has a significant it doesn't matter. You know what? It, it, look, I'm, I'm a hot, gay, you know, powerful guy. It, 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 bring it on. I mean, that's the thing. If I were, I mean, just, we'll read this and we'll take a break. We'll come back with David Walker later I on. I know they're all calling it teenager, too. Seriously. Be, you know what? But that's another. Have you noticed that? That's another thing, like Richie saying, feminine product, and then going, I could have meant, uh, like, a, a hair curler. I mean, when clearly I mean, yeah, so we all found, know what he meant. So he found a nail file, but it looks, it sounds like a tampon. Yeah, so I mean that's... Yeah, because there was like Sam Adams, sexual relations with teenager. I mean... It's like 18. Adams lied about sex with teen, as opposed to saying Adams lied about sex with adult. Which, of course, that's, you know, because that's not nearly as interesting. If you say Adams lied about sex with consenting adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says here, the mayor admits he had a sexual... This is from today's Oregonian, by the way. The mayor admits he had a sexual relationship with an 18-year-old protege after publicly denying it before his 07 campaign. Portland Mayor Sam Adams acknowledged Monday he had a sexual relationship with an 18-year-old in the summer of 2005. Good for him. And on the eve of his campaign for the city's highest office, lied about it and urged, uh, and urged the young man to lie as well. I thought, can I just speak for everybody here? It is, in fact, 2009. This happened in 2005. He lied about it in 2007. The Bill Clinton impeachment was now over a decade ago. Can we get past the point of being surprised when a politician and a man on top of that lies about getting some on the side for the love of Christ. Adam said he made a mistake in not admitting the relationship and reporters first asked about it in September 2007. This is great, though. Good for you, Sam Adams. He says, uh, the paper says Adams did not describe the relationship itself as a mistake. Good for him. Quote, I should have been honest about what happened, but I was not, he told the Oregonian from Washington, D.C., where he is attending a national mayor's conference and the presidential inauguration. I apologize. Adams plans to issue a public apology at 1.30 p.m. today. In the, it, I mean, I'm not saying that he should do this, because I understand that politicians got to do what politicians got to do. I mean, I, I guess. I guess if you're trying to get trying to get ahead or he wants to be governor or whatever, you know, I, I guess maybe he's got to play the game. But don't you, wouldn't just once, wouldn't you just love to see a politician or somebody who gets in hot water for something like this, just put out like a handwritten memo that's like three sentences, like, none of your business, you know, get off my back, I'm running your city, F you, that's it. Um, just one final note here, the consenting adult's name, 
It's the best name in the history of the world. Do you know his name? Oh, I, I read it yesterday, but I don't remember. The consenting adult's name? Bo, which is B-E-A-U, which is great enough. Bo Breedlove. Do they have a picture of said book? Did Adams breed love with 18-year-old protege? Is that what it said? No, that's me saying that. That's like if I were a hack writer. As opposed to a grumpy talk show host. You're a curmudgeon. I'm becoming more curmudgeonly by the second today. Uh, Well, in any event. So there you go. So the official position of the Rick Emerson radio program on Sam Adams, good for him. Well done. Are there pictures of the consenting adult? Is he also hot? I'm looking for him right now. Back after this with David Walker. More of your phone calls. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Sam Adams kind of got a Clark Kent thing going on as well. He totally does. Right. Well, I found a picture of that Breedlove guy. Is he hot? He is. He better what? be. Let me see. He's worth it. Oh, yeah. Look at those teeth. Good looking fella. Blue eyes, brown hair. All right. I, uh, Rick Emerson approves. The Rick Emerson Show votes yes. All right. It is uh, 503-733-2970. By the way, uh, somebody has just uh, has just sent us this uh, from, uh, let's see, Willamette Week. Um, newly elected Mayor Sam Adams admitted this afternoon, contrary to his earlier denials, he had a sexual relationship in 2005 with Bo Breedlove. Adams made his comments to Willamette Week on Monday at 4 p.m. as it was preparing to publish a story. Updating a story from September 2007 about Adams and Breedlove. As a legislative intern uh, whom Adams met in 2005, when Breedlove was 17, blah, 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 uh, sexual relationship, blah, 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 consenting adult, blah, 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 don't care, blah, blah, blah. All right, uh, it is 503-733-2970. More of your calls on the way. CNN Radio correspondent uh, Jim Roop will be joining us uh, later on, as well as the uh, top five. Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. And Don Taylor. And Don Taylor from Film.com. Let us now welcome to the Rick Emerson Radio Program our good friend David Walker. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you guys doing today? I'm so glad you're in a good David, mood. I love you. I'm in an awesome mood. But today's just overwhelming. It's like this is one of those days where the news is just, woof. I know. It's coming down yeah, on it, us. It really is. And, I mean, right out of the gate we had about, here's the thing, I, I, improbable as this, as this might sound, uh, I realized the other day that I, I am, in fact, now... I was going to say that I am the man, but that that sounds wrong. I, that, that I realize that I am now in the position of, of allegedly telling other people how how to do you know radio effectively, which is sort of absurd because <laughs> I mean listen to me. And so I'm the other day I was uh, I was meeting with some fresh faced young folks the other day and talking to them about their radio program, and, uh, and they were you know and I was trying to give my thoughts and my input. I'm saying and you got to be more organized, and especially in the beginning segment of the program when everybody is joining you for the for the day. You have to be more structured, and you have to make sure that you only have one thought happening at a time. Otherwise, it leads to confusion and chaos. Don't do these things. And right out of the gate today, I'm simultaneously spinning the, I was going to say spinning the Barack Obama plate, what with his confident smile and kind eyes, 
the Barack Obama plate. This Sam Adams has uh, hot sex with consenting adult thing. And then, you know, the whole business with Richie from which we're moving on. And then, you know, like random jackasses calling me to taunt me with Rolling Stones knowledge that they then never actually they pass never along, you. Dick. <laughs> so, like, right, like from jump. And then I, and then I, you know, I slept kind of badly last night. And, the, you know, you know the whole thing about my brain is all like, it's like I need a good defragmenting today. So the point is. It's not that I'm in a bad mood as such, but I think we're all feeling a, a little aggro today. And by all of us, I mean Sarah and myself. So, well, David Walker, I'll, I'll you're try not to get moves. on your bad side today. I'll, no, no, I'll try not. to I'll spread the, 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 the warmth and the joy that oh, I'm feeling. For which you are known. Yes. The, the positive vibrations that one thinks of when one thinks David Walker. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, before we do anything else and before we begin the news hour, let's welcome to the Rick Emerson program our good friend, Storm Large. Hello there. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm Stormy. fantastic. How are you? Incredibly happy today, man. There's just a glowing golden light coming from Washington, and it it really I said stand up for the swearing in. I was in my jammies and in my living room. I stood up. I mean, it was it was it was it was. Uh, we're gonna have some sound uh, from the inauguration here in a moment, and I know that there's a uh, Ted. Is it uh, Ted? Ted Kennedy has uh, collapsed. Yes, is that breaking true? news just a few moments ago. Uh, Ted Kennedy and and I think Robert Byrd as well. Um, I think uh, somebody just sent me that, and I haven't been able to confirm it yet. So it's uh, anyways, it's just it's a crazy day, but. The, I, I do have to say, I, I wasn't going to, you know, it sounds trite to say, well, I got chills or I got whatever, because I don't know that that's true. But I would say this. I would say that this morning, uh, I was here in the studio this morning, and um, when it got close to the, you know, they've been doing CNN's been doing coverage since 2 a.m., I think. So we we went to it right as they were kind of wrapping up Joe Biden's uh, oath of office. And then we, uh, you know, they brought in, uh, you know, they brought up Obama, to, you know, he did the swearing in and then the speech and whatever. And there were a bunch of us kind of crammed into the studio because there's not a lot of televisions in this building for some reason. So we were all sort of in the studio here. And I didn't I didn't get chills and I didn't my hair didn't stand up or whatever. But what I did realize at a certain point between the oath of office and, and Obama's speech, I realized that, it was a, that I hadn't – this sounds so corny – that I realized that I actually had not exhaled, that I was sort of holding my breath a little bit. Yep. And it's because it was just because it's that hold of like, hold on, hold on, we're witnessing a historic moment here. And then I kind of held my breath and I never let it out for like 30 seconds or something. So Yeah. Anyway. Um, and, I, and I've been hearing about the, the stupid crap from about Sam since last night. I've been on the phone with folks at Willamette Week and folks at City Hall. And I'm just like, you know what? Someone needs to give a news conference and say, okay. Uh, how many of you guys pleasured yourselves this morning? We and should no totally go hold a press that. conference. Maybe not about that. Uh, we should completely go hold a press conference right now, speaking on behalf of all uh, Portlanders, saying we don't care. We don't care. My gosh. I mean, it's like he lied because it's nobody's business. That is a fantastic idea. That, that's a really yeah, good idea. Like, Storm, you? call the media. Wait, I am the media. Who do I call? <laughs> I just need to say it. Just need to say it. We get a gathering spot, and we can all just say we're all going to meet there at a specific place and time. And we'll do it like the bullhorn. I'm like, on behalf of all Portlanders, we would like to say that we don't care. Get right. back to fixing the pothole in front of my road. Exactly. My house. Leave yeah. Sam alone. This is such a happy day, and, and and we are just so lucky to have Sam Adams as mayor, and this is just a bunch of... Boring crap. Really, you said it very well, Rick, when you said, you know, didn't didn't the Lewinsky thing happen? A decade ago, and I mean, I thought, and you know, and how how awfully and horribly appropriate is it in some perverse way 
They were making a big deal about, you know, uh, like another guy having sex with a consenting adult, like on the day that we, the day that we get rid of a Republican yeah. in the White House. Right, and we I mean, can't, we can't grant gays get the right to cheat on their spouse, so let them have hot sex with teenagers. Well, that's the other thing is like, I guess it's okay for you, I guess it's okay, as Aaron Duran made this point, he said, I guess it's okay to have a gay mayor as long as he doesn't actually have the gay, the gay sex. The gay sex. <laughs> that's a whole lot of like, look, you can be theoretically gay, but yeah, I don't want any, uh, gay. yeah, like a figurative gayness is fine. I, I don't wish to have any actual gayness in my city. Yeah, though. you can know how to arrange flowers, but that whole school <laughs> Uh, you just stick with the buying of duvets and so forth, and uh, keep your penis. Uh, uh, just put, keep it in it. Keep it, uh, it, it behind uh, behind some sort of chastity device. Uh, Jesus. Well, All right. Well, thank you, Storm. The guy, the guy who called about um, Rolling Stones was referring to Carly Simon. He's wrong. Yeah, I uh, see. And that's I said Carly Simon. Then he laughed, but then didn't bother to. You know, give any clarification, and it was like I could just feel Mr. Hand becoming Mr. Fist. It yeah, was because just... he doesn't know what he's talking about. But, but the woman who sang for Pink Floyd, believe it or not, a white woman, the woman who sang for... Um, uh, Jimmy Shelter. For Jimmy Shelter, black woman. See, and I hear, I, it's like there's got to be a definitive answer, because I, I hear every... And I think, here's the deal, I think at one point... I made that distinction, but then somebody, some other dick called up and he said, you're wrong. It's the same woman that's on Great Gig in the Sky. And then it's like, I just don't know who to believe, Storm. No, I'm sorry, honey. Oh. Well, I'll try to figure it out, All but right. I do know that the woman who sang Great Gig in the Sky, because I didn't believe it for the longest time, was a white woman. Yeah, I, it's just, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a world gone mad, Storm. It I is just, just nuts today. Right. But, plot, but plow through, you know, no, I'm gonna persevere. And, and try to enjoy it. I love All you guys. Right. Thank you, Storm. There you go. Storm Large, ladies. The love of Christ Almighty. All right. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hello. How do you feel about but happy. No, see, you sound much better than you did even an hour ago. You I know do? what it is? It's the power of hate has cleared your sinus passages. <laughs> so. Well, she's glowing, too. Yeah. You, she I looks love, good. That's what I get, like, um, whenever I can tell I'm sick, it's because you get that, because you get You look hot when you're sick. sick. Exactly, because I get, like, really flushed. Yeah. Well, if, if every woman could look as good as you look sick, then, you know. The world would be a better place. Look at David place. Walker. He's hugging me with his words. Yeah. No, you, I was going to say, you do. You do. But here's the other thing. I've, Sarah and I, since we've been sharing so many, uh, you know, tales of yesteryear. So Sarah and I have worked together uh, for a long time, and I do know this about Sarah, that the worse you feel, the better you look. And I don't mean that, like, you look good because you feel bad. That would be kind of hot, Because if I'm, too. like, well-rested and I come in, like, they're, like, all puffy. And no, like... when Sarah's been out having a good time and I don't even just mean, I don't even necessarily mean drinking. Just, like, out and just it, life is going well and everything's going smoothly. Sarah is, she never looks bad, but I know that you do, I know that you take extra care with your appearance when you're covering something up. <laughs> Seriously, whether it's illness that or whether totally it's just anger or, like, you're depressed about something, it's like, I'm going to Like, I wake up at 2 a.m. and can't fall back asleep. Extra I'm, lip gloss I that take day. the time to put on that makeup at totally. the morning. Hey, if you don't have a smile inside, paint a smile on your face, Sarah. Who wants to begin the news hour? All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let's go to the news hour. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Well, it is official. As of today, Barack Obama is the 44th president of the United yeah, States of America. Excellent. Well done. Fantastic. Obama was sworn in this afternoon, a little afternoon, East Coast time, and uh, we've got some we've got some uh, sound from uh, from various spots. Correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. We um, do. And so uh, the first one up is from uh, Times Square. 
The hustle and bustle of Times Square in the heart of the city that never sleeps certainly came to a pause as hundreds stood fixated on huge jumbotrons watching Barack Obama become the 44th president. I think it's a moment right now where you, something that you can share with the whole country. Everyone's really on one accord right about now. So it's nice to just see a good crowd of people all out trying to experience the same thing. Others like Wendy wanted to take part in an act of unity. I think that was sort of the whole message of the campaign. And so folks from all over gathered in the crossroads of the world to bear witness to history. In Times Square, Jim Smith. Okay, here's the weird thing about Jim Smith, uh, of whom I've never heard before. He sounds exactly like Max Brooks of World War Z fame. If you listen to the audiobook of World War Z, where Max Brooks plays the, the, the interviewer, the interviewer yeah. sounds exactly like Max Brooks. I kept waiting for him to say, and then screams of joy turned to shrieks of horror as the spines of onlookers <laughs> were consumed by the undead. At the Battle of Yonkers. Seriously, that would be the only way the inauguration could have been better. Ended in zombie apocalypse. Yeah. All right. It was it was a it was a pretty amazing spectacle. But there's a, a more somber note, as we mentioned a little bit earlier. Senator Ted Kennedy has collapsed uh, at the inaugural lunch. That happened uh, at about 2:35 East Coast time. Um, do we have the? I think we do. There's a little. Uh, this is a joyous time. This is Obama talking about. But it's also a sobering time. And uh, my prayers are with him and his family and Vicky. And so this is because he had the, uh, like, the tumor or whatever? Yeah, he, or he was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer uh, last summer, right before, yeah. um, well, actually during the height of the entire um, runoff between right. Clinton and Obama. And had, um, you know, there was a lot of talk that they weren't even sure if he was going to make it um, to see the actual election. So... Um, this is actually, you know, this is one of those somber moments because also he is—he's really the last of that legacy. Right, right. Um, so I, there's there's no news. I'm I'm checking on right now to see if there's any news, but um, I think it's just that he's collapsed. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that whether, I don't know if there's anything else known because clearly, I mean, let's be honest. Clearly, Carolyn Kennedy's not going to be have a torch bearer. There. Yeah, that's uh, that's she's really. I think the silver-tongued oration dies with her. I uh, I don't know that that uh, I don't know that that's gonna be one of her gifts. Yeah, I don't. I I I think that that's just a. Uh, I don't necessarily know if it's a bad idea because I'm not really up on what Carolyn Kennedy's stances are. But um, she she it, it seems sort of like an ill-advised attempt to keep this this family yes. going into a, you know this the whole new generation, which is you know what Obama was talking about today. This is a dawn of a new era in America, yeah. and. Um, and I think that that you know she's maybe trying just to ensure that her family, her that her legacy is part of it. She's the Hank Williams the third of politics. Just say it. <laughs> I mean that's it, man. Okay, I mean she is the. There, you said it. <laughs> I did it. I mean, there's, you know? there's no getting around it. Look, I know I'm not very good, but uh, hey, who likes my dad? <laughs> and my granddad. Remember him? You loved him. I'm not that. I suck, but uh, you loved that. They were great, weren't they? Hey, look at my black flag tattoo. That's how you know I'm hardcore. <laughs> what I what I thought was very interesting during the inauguration, I don't know if you noticed this. I think a lot of people were. This is my big. The thing that upset me the most was that I was really hoping that Obama, when he sort of walked out, I was really looking for a sort of Sherman Hemsley style, George Jefferson walk as he came up. And you know, because uh, I think a lot of people were expecting that. They were, wow. They were expecting. You know, there there have been all these rumors that well, when he takes the oath of office, he's going to have his hand on the. Um, on the Koran yeah. instead of you know instead of the Bible. Um, but what was interesting was the the actual swearing in and uh, Supreme Court Justice John Roberts messed that up. I think that we, uh, we I think we have the flub. Yeah, uh, it, which, it, it was it was like uh, America's greatest bloopers. Which now see and here's the thing. To be fair, I actually didn't even 
notice this until it was pointed out, I think, on Drudge, because Drudge can't wait to, like, you know... But what, the faithfully like thing? 80-point type, like, mistake at inauguration! Yeah. Honestly, Shame! I was, I was listening to um, whoever was inaugurating him say it, and I was trying to memorize the things to say back, and when he had said it, I was like, how is he going to remember that sentence? Because it's really long, and then he kind of flubbed it. It's like at your wedding vows when they give it to you piecemeal, because they know that you'll never get it right mm. otherwise. It's um, So I didn't even really notice it until it was pointed out uh, later. So I think we have... Let's see here. This is the... This is the first cut of this. This is the, uh, the, the, the flub heard around the world uh, from this morning's inauguration. I, Barack Hussein Obama, I, do Barack, solemnly swear. I, Barack Hussein Obama, do solemnly swear. That I will execute the office of president to the United States faithfully. That I will execute the off- faithfully the pres- office of president of the, the United States. The office of president of the United States, States faithfully. Yeah. And will to the best of my ability. And will to the best of my ability. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help you, God. So help me, God. Now, I don't remember too much uh, about this. It already seems, I guess in the best possible way, it already seems like it happened just a million years ago. Because it's cause it, yeah. it's like in my head, as soon as it was done, as soon as he was like, and I'm out, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And, he, and, then the, and then the poet laureate came up to bore everybody. He, <laughs> as soon as they started with that, and boy, boy, I just missed. Can I tell you this? Here's a little uh, tra- trade secret between you and me, friends. Um so this morning, uh, we were running the raw feed of this, and as soon as Obama was done, he gave his speech, and he's just like, you know, and God bless America, or whatever, and he ended, it, thanks, and, you know, goodbye. He was done. There was this moment, about 15 seconds, where we had the chance to dump out of the audio and go back to regular programming, and I missed the window. And then, <laughs> and then like, the, uh, and I guess she's not the poet laureate. I, I don't know who exactly it was, but the woman came up to, yeah. give, to give a poem, but, but at first, it sounded like a prayer. And she started just like, you know, shall I compare thee to a summer's day or whatever. She starts doing like a, a poem. But I thought it was a prayer, and I thought, oh, God, I can't dump out. And I think I actually said to the people in the room, like, I can't dump out of a prayer. Now we have to carry the whole thing. And then it became clear it wasn't a prayer. It was a poem. So I could totally have cut that off because it's just poetry. There was a prayer beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there, was, there was two prayers. Was there a rhyming prayer? Uh, there, I think there was, I missed There, there, was, there was, was. There was towards the very end. I missed the Was there prayer. a bunch of like, and the man that is white will do what is right. Yeah, it was, it, and I'm trying to remember who it was, but he was, it was, it was a play on a lot of old. Uh, it wasn't the uh, now. It was it wasn't the guy that, that there's been all the ruckus about because he's the, the anti-gay guy. Was it no, a different? No, no. This was this was this was after the actual oath of office. So. It was the uh, it was like one of the opening act prayers. Yeah, it was actually the, the closing prayer. The, uh, the, the maybe the benediction or whatever they call yes, it. Yes, that's exactly what it was, and I'm trying to find out. Um, I think, uh, and I looked for audio of it. I looked for audio of it sort of after the fact, and it wasn't posted yet. So I hopefully maybe maybe the audio has uh, has been posted. But there was I was just reading like because I had a lot of this on in the background this morning as we were sort of kind of preparing to come in and carry the carry the live feed and whatever. And there was this great little sort of rhyming section where there was like four yeah. or five sentences in a row. Uh, that had a great sort of uh, cadence to them, so we'll look for that. But back to your Sherman Helmsley observation. <laughs> so you were waiting for him to do what is that like the elbows thrown back kind of a sway? Yeah, it's just that it's just that walk that says we're moving on up, you know, and uh, <laughs> to the West Wing. Uh, yeah, exactly to the West Wing instead of the the Upper East Side. And but you know it was just, it was interesting watching him because he's just he's got this detached cool, yeah, you know. Yeah. And and you know yeah I've 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 drank the Obama Kool Aid I I drank it months and months ago and um but watching him and then his speech you know his 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 inauguration inauguration speech was very inspiring and not um you know he sort of took the kid gloves off for it I I thought it was pretty impressive it was I mean yeah I I think that the only thing uh, missing 
and it's just my, you know, you know, what with all of the presidential inauguration speeches I've given, the, <laughs> the only thing missing for me, the, the, the magic ingredient that it, that it sort of didn't have, and I understand why it didn't have it, it didn't have, because he's, he's great at bringing that sort of, uh, he does that kind of, he does that kind of, uh, that fiery energy sometimes. Yeah. That extra spark of you know, but, but that's but you know, but I but I also know that that's only when you're talking to the faithful. Yeah, that's this is I did the, 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 see that was candidate Obama. And now I understand as president, you have got to speak to everybody, which means you have to you have to bring it down a notch and you have to increase the polish and decrease uh, like the brimstone yeah. a little bit. Um, but he did have a whole bunch of great. I mean, I don't know who I don't know. They always they always kind of like, they say this thing that he writes his own speeches, which I, I just inherently disbelieve. I mean, maybe it's, it's true. It's tough to believe that he writes his own speeches, but what I was I was thinking this as as he was making the speech was that whoever he has writing for him, they're very consistent. Yeah. Um, a lot of times when you get a lot of presidential speech writers, there's so many of them that there isn't necessarily the most consistent tone. I think that um, if he's not writing them all himself, he's definitely got a hand in writing them. Um, because there's there's nothing ever sounds out of place. Right, right. And um, yeah, no. He but there was there was a good firmness, and I think that you know a lot of uh, what a lot of people are looking for. I mean, is is this sense of this positive hope that this guy is you know, and he's not going to change the world, the, the the country overnight. There's just absolutely no way that that can happen. But um, I think for now we would just settle for a guy who's not going to continually f it up further with every single day he's in office. Yes, I mean that's yes. the thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like I said with the, you know the speech, uh, or when I was an altar boy, you know the priest just said, look, don't trip. That's the whole thing. Don't trip on the altar. Don't, when you're walking up and walk down, watch your feet. Don't trip. For uh, you know Obama today, the big thing was look, just just sound, just 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 get it done and don't screw up. And uh, yeah. you know, in any way, don't you know, don't say anything weird. Don't have a weird moment. Whatever. Don't give him a soundbite. And so it is right now, I think, with the presidency, where it's just like, if you could just at least not make the downward spiral any faster. Yeah. You just, and if you could slow the downward spiral, hey, that'd be great. That we'd, I think we would call that one in the wind column right now. Yeah, and I think when you see the number of people that were at the inauguration actually in Washington, D.C., and it's cold out there. Oh, yeah. Eight, I mean, it's, it's cold here, and it's only like in the 40s. It was 18 <laughs> degrees overnight. But when you see that, I mean, the, you know, there was over a million people there. That's, you could take the, you know, Portland metro area and transplanted. That's how many people were in Washington, D.C., um, and then watching all over the world. I mean, we were watching it here, um, and, and people sort of watching with sort of, elu- is it, I can't even, elubilation? No, it's not the, jubilation. Ebulation. Ebulation. Well, there, no, there's ebulence, which is a sort of, ebulence is a sort of verbal enthusiasm. There's yes. jubilation, which is a sort of, uh, it's a sort of externalized, it's a sort of a happiness. Jubilation is just sort of joy. I yes, think. yes. Are we doing that? Are we conflating? You know, for the longest time, I didn't know what conflating meant, but I said it anyway because everybody else said it. And I thought I had to say it to sound intelligent. Well, you know what? For the last eight years, it was okay to use words that you didn't know what they oh, meant. Oh, dude. And so now we are going to have to be a lot more careful Can, in what we say because we have to know the meaning of the words. Because words matter again? Yes, they do. They ought to, I mean, they, they, I mean how, can I just – and I think I speak for all of us. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter. The Democrat, Republican, Independent, uh, whatever walk of life you might come from. How great is it that we have at this point a president who just won't be embarrassing? <laughs> and I'm not even look whether you, I don't, if you oh, disagree true. with if you he's a socialist. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Whatever you think, every time George W. Bush, and it's not because he's a Republican, because I mean you know Reagan was he was Reagan was kind of goofy every yeah. now and again, but you but he always seemed like a grown up, and he didn't seem like somebody who'd found Daddy's dress up shoes and a microphone. Well, you know, really, Bill Clinton was the last president that we had that. You could get away with 
some stupidity. Yeah. And that was basically because the, there's been so many changes in media and technologies in the last 10, 15 years that you just can't get away with it. Right. So, I mean, Reagan, I suspect, was not exactly the brightest guy right. in the world. They, he had some pretty famous flubs oh, yeah. over the years. We're going to begin bombing in five minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, most of those flubs, you only heard about them if you watched Saturday Night Live, you know, the That's weekend true. update. Or you're watching C-SPAN. Exactly. Now, it's, you know... Every minute we hear about what's going on. I'm so glad you're here today, David Walker. <laughs> I was really, I was really just going down into just a deep pit of irritation with just everybody earlier. Um, just two quick things. We'll take a break. We'll get uh, caught up. We got more about the inauguration coming up. More news. We'll have updates on uh, the health of uh, Ted Kennedy uh, later on. Uh, Katie Darrell will be here. Don Taylor. Two things. One, I think also Reagan also benefited from. And I think this may have ended. I mean, I think it started to decay with Nixon, but I think it really accelerated during Clinton. Because I think the media used to just sort of take it, like they would just opt not to report stuff. Yeah. There was there was a book called Bourgeois Blues written by Jake Lamar in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. He was the news director for either Time or Newsweek. And he talks about how the, the White House press corps worked harder to make Ronald Reagan seem intelligent than any other president before because his flubs were so notorious. Right. But, um, yeah, it was... Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, like, the most famous example probably is JFK, where it's like I think everybody kind of knew he was a bit of a player and yeah. whatever, and that... You know, like nine times out of ten, if you know, like Marilyn Monroe was, you know, like, you know, on the White House desk or down in the swimming pool or something, and, you know, but they were just like, well, what can you do? I mean, uh, work hard, play hard. Am I right? You know, and yeah. then they just wouldn't report it. And now, of course, you know that every little tiny detail that we reported. So I think Reagan benefited from that. And then the second thing is because Sarah probably doesn't remember this, the bombing in five minutes thing. And I may be getting the specifics wrong here, but I think it was the because the, the president does, even though no one listens to it, the president does that Sunday morning radio address. Yes. And it's where the president, you know, he'll speak on Sunday morning for like 15 minutes about some subject. It's like, you know, he'll talk about, you know, civic duty or yeah. pride or, uh, you know, um, you know, helping one's neighbor. And so the president will do this 15 minutes Sunday morning address to the nation on the radio. And it's like NPR and crap carry. You know, it's whatever. Every week. Every week. It's every week. Huh. And Reagan, though, and I don't know if they're all recorded now, but Reagan did them live. Because uh, he's an actor and he would, you know, he wants to bring it. And, and so Reagan did them live. And I'm pretty sure it was during one of these Sunday morning addresses that Reagan, wait for it, didn't know the mic was on. And it was a few minutes to airtime, but the mic had been turned on and Reagan didn't realize it. And he was doing what he thought was a level test. Yeah. Where he's like, you know, he's checking the mic to make sure that the levels are fine. And he says something. You can probably find audio of this. He said something very much like, he said, my fellow Americans, I'm here to announce that... Uh, as of this morning, and this is before the fall of the, this is during the Cold War. Yeah, the height of the, the Cold War. Nuclear paranoia. First term, first term he did <laughs> yes. this. Yes, yeah, this is like when everybody was afraid that there was going to be nuclear war at any moment. Reagan does what he thinks is a mic test, unaware that he's broadcasting everywhere, and he says, my fellow Americans, I'd like to tell you that as of this morning, communism has been outlawed. We begin bombing in five minutes. And I mean, you look back now and you go like, wow, yeah. wow, wow, we almost, do you have the actual audio? Do we have the, let's... My fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today that I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes. Jesus, I mean... And you can hear someone laughing in the background. Too. Yeah, I mean, that was like, but that was no joke back yeah. then. Like, that you, the, you know, Ivan hears that and then suddenly it's... five minutes? Yeah, I mean, you know... This is our president? Yeah. You know, and I... What have we learned? Always assume the microphone is on, Peggy Noonan. <laughs> uh, so figure at some point... 
I mean, there's got to be some, you know, some angry Russian listening to that going, well, screw that. Damn. And he just hits, he breaks the glass and, you know, turn your key. And then it's, you know. Anyway. Yeah, well, Jesus. that was Reagan. We we don't want to bash oh. Reagan right now, do we? No. 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 We need to go to break, so we yeah, should Yeah, let's go to break. <laughs> Back after this with our good friend David Walker. Uh, later on, Jim Roop will join us. Katie Darrell from TMZ. Don Taylor from Film.com. More of your phone calls, the top five, and more. It is inauguration day. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. Don't forget, uh, at some point of the program today, we will be giving away a uh, fantastic Star Wars Koto Buya. I almost had it. David Walker? Yeah. Oh, you're not the Star Wars guy, though. No, 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 no. I've been... That's the doppelganger, Aaron. I'm yeah. trying so desperately to get this name correct. Uh, it is... Uh, Korobukaya is the name of the company. Okay. Uh, but they from uh, one of our fine partners in commerce, Things from Another World. Uh, we're going to be giving uh, one of those away each and every weekday, uh, all this week, all next week. Uh, today it is Chewbacca. Tomorrow it is uh, Return of the Jedi Leia. Uh, also, uh, copies of Watchmen this week and next week as well. So be listening for that. You can find out more. You go to rickemerson.com and just uh, look for the uh, look for the Leia thing. You click above that or just go to Things from Another World's website. That is T-F-A-W, as in Things from Another World. T-F-A-W.com slash Rick. And uh, finally, you can buy those uh, for 75% off. Uh, I know, but uh, supplies are limited and so forth. And forget all that. And all of that stuff. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Joined today by David Walker. Hello there. Hey, how you doing? Is it Devin? No, or is it David Walker. Okay. He, he, was, he had this sort of almost mid-Atlantic accent. David. Yeah, I was sort of... It's just, I'm just sort of There's spitting. There's a court lurking out front, outside of the door. Court from Rock 101 KUFO is lurking in the uh, uh -oh. lurking in the hallway. He's going to try to jump me or something like uh, that. Dave right. wanted gum, so here's some gum, Dave. Oh, thank you. Ooh. He handed me a bunch of gumballs here. All right, excellent. You can have some syrup if you want, so... Thank you, Court. All right. Did you actually request gum and then it just appeared? I asked him earlier. I said, hey, do you guys got any gum? And then he went and found it for you. Yeah. We should come up with a list of things we want and just have you ask for them and see if they appear. Okay. How about some paper? Hey, How about could... some pseudo <laughs> I'd like some paper to print on that isn't uh, the color of a jack-o'-lantern. I'd like to be able to breathe again. Um, I, can, I got a cure for I'd that. I'd like to be able to breathe again. <laughs> I just want to know how to love. Sarah, that's I'll, so I'll fix that later for you. I will. Okay. I'll fix it. So... Wow, that was awkward silence. I didn't mean that in like some sort of... Make a tampon joke. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. So later on, we will have uh, Jim Roop, Don Taylor, and all that. This at the news desk, David Walker. All right. So, you know, he's no longer president, but I still think that we can do a, a, yeah, a moment of cheering, please. George Bush is no longer president of the United States. The national nightmare is over. 
But that doesn't mean we can't do at least one more bushwhack. Right? 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 And I say we keep it. Yeah, I think I'm going to make an executive decision right now. We're going to keep this. Uh, we're going to keep the Bushwatch theme. It's just, I mean, you know, I'm not even going to bother to change it. I'm not even going to be like he was the president. But you know, it. did you make the Obama watch yet? No, I never. <laughs> no, I haven't. And so I think the Obama watch is going to be a combination of two things. I mean, just uh, real quickly before we before we do the actual Bush news here. So I think the Obama watch is going to be a combination of. Wait, hold on a second here. Uh-huh. Make sure I get the right. Uh, is. Uh, let's see here. Do you even know why I do that is thing? No, because every time you're going to give something away, then is you, you do that. Uh, the uh, uh, let's see. You know, I don't have the if you like Barack Obama song here. I don't know. I don't know where it is. I don't think You're I have it. Shame, Emerson. Maybe I only have it in MP3. Timmy Ryan works really hard. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So if it's so it's going to be a combination of two things. So it'll be this. It's online. And in the personal section. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Sarah Dillon on harmonies. If you like Barack Obama, this is my finest work. <laughs> this is the thing they're going to remember me for. Someday when I shuffled off this mortal coil, they're going to go, he did that too. I heard the Pia Colada song on the radio of the day, and I just think these words along with the song. Now, well, this is now the definitive version of this, uh, of this song. <laughs> and everyone does. All right, so there's that. That is going to be mixed then with... M. Edge Productions. This one I haven't heard. Oh, oh, the, oh! I got to set it up then. So, <laughs> and then we'll do the Bush news here. So, uh, in in radio, of course, there is a, there's. It's called imaging. When you hear all of the the jingles or the liners or the, do you have a? Can we play some imaging? Here's some imaging uh, for this station and this show. Ask that hoopy Rick Emerson. Now that's a fruit who really knows where his towel is. AM 970, The Talker. And by the way, that's a little Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference, which is perfect, because when I do that is, that is actually from... Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah, because I'm a retard. It's actually from the audiobook, <laughs> uh, as read by Stephen Davis, I think his name is. And that is when the computer Deep Thought is telling the uh, the two philosophers, uh, Rune Fundal and Magic Thighs, uh, the, na- the answer to everything. The answer to life, the universe, and everything. And then they go like, yes, is, yes, is, and he drags it out like three different times. That's why I say that, because it's not just in the book, it's the actual audio book, because I'm stupid. So, anyway, so that's imaging, and so that's, uh, you know, whenever people say, like, I heard a jingle, and people use jingle as a catch-all phrase, but it's it's anything that is produced and identifies the station. And usually it's done by a third party, okay. uh, like a production house or a studio somewhere else in the country. Okay, it's Matthew, isn't he? Our guys, this, yeah, our, our voice guy's named Max, and then it's actually produced here by by uh, by this guy Buzz, who who works uh, at KUFO. So, Chris Paddock uh, got pitched this. Somebody sent him. It was either an MP3 or CD. Uh, the production house sent him this, and it was sort of a demo. And it was like they use some of their stations, colleges, but like, would you like to have this done for your radio station? <laughs> And so then the theory is this would be produced to be like for jamming or to be for KUFO or you know, you know whatever. Uh, and so this is the demo they sent along. I'll just play you the short one here. M Edge Productions. Obama. Uniting our country. America. Obama. 
there's nothing. <laughs> nothing says dignity like a radio station jingle <laughs> shouting your name. You know, I got to tell you, I need to get into this line of work because this is the sort of stuff I just do in my car yeah. and in my sleep and yeah. writing wonderful little ditties just like that. There so you go. I that should... pays very well, my yeah. friend. And you know what? That kind of radio imaging is actually really easy because all you do is you just you just shout the same thing over and over again with different kinds of processing. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, Obama, 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 Obama. It's, it's it, yeah. I mean, then, you know, and then you start Obama, Obama. <laughs> It's really like a weenie in the butt kind of thing. I think maybe you could get a side gig doing that. Um, I Rick, okay, you know when I was cleaning out my car, you know what I found is our old scripts when we did the with the um that sporting company with the bats and the balls. Oh God, did you actually find it? I found it. I saved it. I'll bring it in. Little side note. It is hilarious. We have to do the bushwash here, but I the side note. I I laughed out loud. The last time Sarah and I were unemployed, uh, we got uh, some voice work from Delane. From Sarah's friend Delane. Uh, we got some voice work recording one of those on hold messages. You know, like when you call yeah, a company and it's, company, yeah. you know, like if you call Canon copiers when you're on hold, they're like, while you're waiting, let's talk a little bit about the new Canon ZX500 line of copiers now with 7,000 point per inch resolution. Somebody has to record those. Yeah. This was for a sporting goods company. And so Sarah and I went in and we made however much money. I mean, it's good work if you can get it for like an hour in the studio going, you know, like, don't forget to buy crampons, you know, for, or whatever, whatever that, you know, like it was like mountaineering. Seriously, it was, you know, don't forget to buy the brand new helmet for the next time you're out riding the streets. But then the thing that Sarah had to voice, Sarah was talking about a softball bat, a bat that one uses just to play softball. And it did, in fact, have the line. Superior ball launching action. <laughs> and so we're children, and I'm sitting there trying to get it out. I'm trying to say superior ball launching action, and Rick is like trying not to look at me, and we're both laughing, and the I would, sound guy's getting more and more pissed at us. I would give anything uh, to have to have a copy of the finished product, because of course they don't want me to sound can, like. Why don't we relive? We, we can redo. We the can finish. redo it. Yeah, I have the whole script, and yours and mine. I don't even remember the name of the company, but it wasn't, and it wasn't like that we were doing it as Rick Emerson and Sarah Dillon. We were just you know, male, yeah. male voice, female voice. And so it wasn't it wasn't like mountaineering, it wasn't crampons, but it was like all baseball, softball stuff. And at one point, I'm talking about like a glove, like you catch the, catch the baseball in when you're out with the, out with the guys. And and I and they wanted me to put on the big dumb voice, so I literally am you know doing something like this. And you'll love the way it feels in your hand, you know. And I'm just totally just just puking it out and it was just awesome. sounding like an idiot. So this kind of work. M Edge Productions. Not that hard to get. So, just, <laughs> all right, here's your bushwatch, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we're back to bushwatch. Well, today was the day. Uh, after Barack Obama was sworn in as president of the United States of America, the 44th president, um, he escorted former President George W. Bush yeah. to uh, over to the other side of the White House and uh, kind of shoved him on a helicopter and he said, "All right, man, I got it from here. Look, you, yeah, you have to leave now. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. No, get out. No, seriously. No, 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 no. No, get out on the plane. On the plane. It's like trying to get your dog to go to the groomer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to clip his nails. They, yeah. oh, they hate that. Let me tell you. I mean, and they just and they're like, no, can I just go back? I'll just, I'll be real quiet. I'll stay in the back of the car. I won't even make any noise. You're like, no, 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 dude, you got to stay here. So, <laughs> so while President Obama was uh, very gracious to former President Bush. Um, there were some people gathered outside. That some bad apples. Some bad apples who, who you know, and, and in all fairness to Bush, he kind of sucked the last eight years. <laughs> he, he was really, you know, and, and, and this is why Bush Watch is important, because we don't want people forgetting how never bad forget. he truly was. That's right. We never want to go back to that again. Uh, so there was there was um, a lot of booing, and actually some people were singing um, 
Well, I, Sarah's got... I have a little bit of audio. Sarah's, Sarah's got some audio. I think it'd be better we just play that. There's soon to be both for president and the House Minority Leader, John Boehner. And the introduction is thus moments away. That's a surprise. We are hearing some booing, and that is a surprise. Bad form here. That is not what I expected. Now, who is the, who are the, uh, uh... This is MSNBC, and then this is what... So that was, that was Keith Oberman, then. All right. And then people are singing right here. Wow, way to <laughs> heck of a job, Bushy. Yeah, that's it. You know, I mean, you want to feel bad for him, but, but not you can't. Really. You can't. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it'd, it'd be one thing if if he'd only had like one or two major blunders yeah. during the last eight just years. Just the war, maybe. Just the war. Just the failed economy. Just Katrina. Yeah, I mean, but no, no, yeah, but the yeah. whole whole huge mess yeah. of it put together. Just the inability to formulate. Full sentences and sound like an intelligent human being. Or say the word nuclear. Maybe. Yes. Maybe yes. if he just like I, here's the thing. For me, I'm just saying. For me, though, I can't speak for my fellow countrymen. All would have been forgiven for me if Bush had come on TV one night and gone, "Look, I uh, I met with a speech coach, and then I spent about 15 minutes uh, practicing, and now I know how to say nuclear. <laughs> and so, look, whatever else." My bumbling ass uh, may may break or damage or ruin. I will be able to say nuclear uh, correctly, and so that you know that that part of it, you don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm covered on that front. Like I would have said, you know what? At least he's trying. Yeah. At least he's making he's ma- gaining ground somehow. But no, not even that. And at a certain point, I hate to harp on the nuclear thing. At a certain point, I got the idea that he was actually doing it just to screw with us. I got the feeling that he had some advisor going, no, 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 here's the thing. The liberal elite don't want you to be able to speak properly. Uh, you know, so what you got to be, you just keep, just keep saying it incorrectly. They, uh, you do that. I mean, they, like I got, they, you know, like pronunciation was for like moneyed folk or something. Although he is moneyed. I don't even know. He went to, he went to Yale. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But I mean, but I get the feeling that like he thought it made him seem sort of homespun. Yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. I, so. I I don't know what he was thinking, which Jesus. was part of the problem over the last eight yes. years. But yes, it was. But he's gone, and and again, I, I think it's very important. We were talking about this during the break that we don't, you know, forget the the foibles, oh, no, the no. foibles of of Boy George. Well, I, it's just, uh, it, it really seems like this thing that. First of all, I think I, I mean, I don't mean to over dramatize, but I think I speak also for everybody on this when I say that. Wow, it just seems like we've been in this tunnel. It just seems like we've been in this weird. Haze, this sort of half asleep, half awake nightmare that you like one of those nightmares where you're like you're not you're not awake enough that you can shake it off and be like all right all right all right hold on okay all right you know but but you but you're asleep enough that you that it sort of is still terrifying that's what the last eight years have been like to me and now you're sort of awake and you're okay whoa hey we're done okay that's over it's over. Well, there really was this uh, this this overall feeling almost every day when you woke up, where, like, what bad thing is going to happen next? Totally. How bad can it get? And it was really, I mean, he had barely, you know, Bush had barely been in office when all of a sudden we found out, oh, the economy's in trouble, and you know, there's this major deficit, and we're everyone's thinking, how did this happen? We just were right. doing fine, like last week, um, and then all the way up, you know, and and it culminated obviously in 2001 with you know 9/11, and but from that moment, there's, you know. Uh, especially younger people listening might not remember what it was like growing up in the 70s and 80s with that sort of that during that Cold War the era dread. where you were always this feeling of like oh my God what terrible thing is going to happen totally and um, 
you know, after the after the terrorist attacks on 9/11, we sort of entered into this era again of living in fear, and the Bush administration in general did nothing to make us feel better. Right. They did they did nothing but make us feel more and more terrified with every day, which is, you know, part of, you know, the, the science of fear. The best way to control people, at least a lot of people think, is through fear. And that's sort of what we well, fear you know, yes. it, it, it's uh, Tony Robbins said it best when and I really do like Tony Robbins by the way. But I uh, but, but Tony Robbins has this thing he talks about where he says that um he says that, you know, the, the people people will not respond how does he put it? He said, he said, really, people won't act as much to gain a reward as they will to avoid pain. Yes. So you know, he's like, so that's that's the whole deal. Like, if you're trying to change a bad habit, so like, don't he's like, don't set rewards for yourself because that never works. Because the strongest motivator isn't pleasure; it is avoiding pain or an, uh, you know whatever. And so that is why the the fear thing works so well for politicians because they just wave the big boogeyman you know thing in front of you. And, oh, you're all gonna die. And and I uh, and we'll, we'll finish this bush watch. We'll break. We'll come back. We'll reset on the other side. You and I were talking during the break about Reagan mm-hmm. and uh, about whom I know you have many warm and pleasant feelings. <laughs> oh, yes. But you and I, you know, we both, uh, you, know, we, you know, we both were there in the 80s. And that dread you talk about, I remember, and it's almost hard to talk about it without it sounding, it's hard to talk about it without, without it sounding either sort of childish or melodramatic because, and I hate to use this phrase because it makes me sound like an old guy. But if you weren't there, you really don't, you really don't know. You really, and the closest analog I guess it can give is sort of in the maybe year or two after 9-11, because through the 70s and the 80s, especially, for my money, especially under Reagan, it was like you were constantly waiting to be bombed. Yeah. I I mean, like actual nuclear annihilate. Like you were waiting, and you were told all that, like every day, you know, uh, any second now, the Russians could be launching first strike missiles. And then any number of made-for-TV movies starring Steve Gutenberg just stoked that fear. Uh, And I remember... I mean, you see, you say it now, and it, it just it doesn't even seem possible. It seems like some alternate universe, me. But I remember as a kid, being eight or nine years of age, and being like actually having literal sleepless nights, laying awake in bed at night, terrified that uh, not wanting to go to sleep because I was like, I was like, it's that thing when you're on the plane. Yeah. If you're on the plane and you're staring at the wing, at least it can't fall off because you're watching it. Yeah. I didn't want to go to bed at night because I would stay awake thinking, okay, I'm awake, so I will know if missiles are coming. And I was afraid that if I went to sleep, that a nuclear war would happen while I was asleep, which sounds kind of absurd now, but it didn't at the time. When you have goddamn Ronald Reagan's uh, White House telling you (laughs) that the best way to avoid uh, nuclear uh, death is to, I swear to Christ, to dig a hole in your backyard, get down in the... this the... This is what the Reagan administration said. Dig a hole in your backyard, get in the hole... Have somebody take one of the doors of your house off the hinges, put it over the hole, and shovel two feet of dirt on top of it. And that's how you're going to survive a nuclear war. That was like the government's official, and you're watching this, even as a kid, you're going, all right, well, first, no, that's probably not going to work. Also, what about the poor bastard that's shoveling the dirt? Who buries him? Yeah. Yeah, So one guy always has to be sort of like, no, 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 you must go on without me. I will stay behind and shovel you all beneath doors. And, it sounds absurd. And, and, and I grew up very much the same way, thinking those exact same things. And I think that what happened after 9-11 was, like, those feelings came back, only we're an adult. And, it's, and these are, you know, like you're saying, it's a childish sort of fear, but it's like, you know, wow. You know, you just, I mean, especially in the months and the years after 9-11, yeah. where every, be careful going over a bridge. Oh, okay, well, there you go. There, you know, and what nobody told us was, well, we need to be more careful going over bridges because our infrastructure is falling yes. apart. There's yes. more threat, more threat from within than from without. That's 
Good thing we're $3 trillion <laughs> short. All right, let's take a brief break here. We'll come back after this. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. More from David Walker. Uh, let's see. Don Taylor from Film.com. Katie Darrell from TMZ. And all that. There's your book watch. kind of in charge. He's got the whole country saying, Why, hello, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, we don't have time to get to this today. Tomorrow, uh, let's see, tomorrow I'll tell you about this zombie quiz about a guy I saw at the airport, the TSA guy. This is, this is like your tax dollars at work. It was a TSA employee who was busy instead of, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I realize they're not actually securing anything or protecting anybody from anything, but rather than even like pretending to work, he actually had just cut the cord altogether and he was busy uh, arguing with another employee about a dream he had about the zombie apocalypse and how he behaved in the dream and whether it was inappropriate. So, anyways, I'm just going to leave that out there. And uh, we'll get to that tomorrow. <laughs> well, I don't have time to do it today. We'll get to it tomorrow, and, and I'm going to tie that into an email that I got from a guy who wants to know about a primer, or primer, as they say in Britain, uh, about zombies. So we'll get to that. Uh, let me just read this really quickly. Yesterday, Sarah wasn't here yesterday. She was ill and uh, shopping at Powell's. And so you... On her an email. deathbed, from guy, she's standing right next to me. Um, that's a guy who's sowing discord. That's, that's a guy who's an instigator, is what he is. But he, here's the thing about Sarah, is that Sarah is, she, like on a car, they'll, they'll be the, the, the governor or the regulator that keeps yeah. it from going more than like 60 miles an hour or whatever. So like if you get, I guess if you get hit for speeding or DUI, like they'll sometimes they'll put that on there so you can't speed. Sarah is like the governor for this show that keeps it from becoming just like a big dork fest. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of is anyway, but I mean, without Sarah here, it's like there is no... I heard a lot of the video game chat. Dude, you, I mean, it's like, it's like when you ever look at the, if you like, you read the, anything about like the coca leaf in South America, and the deal with the coca leaf, people think that it's like cocaine, and cocaine comes from the coca leaf, but the deal with the coca leaf, and then I will tie it back to Sarah and yesterday's show, is that the coca leaf contains two things. It contains the alkaloid, which gives you the stimulation, but then it contains a mellowing chemical as well and so put together they balance so that's why you can just chew on a coca leaf and it's like a cup of coffee but of okay. course the germans evil bastards that they are uh you know they you know i mean look anything anything that is either like like pointy and causes pain or that keeps you awake for days on end came from a german laboratory that's just a fact <laughs> that's really i mean those are their skills look everybody's got to be good at something and they're good at amphetamines and killing usually one following the other and so but the germans found a way to just take out just the stimulation part of the leaf and leave that mellowing agent behind and then they created cocaine blah 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 sarah is like the mellowing agent so Yesterday, without Sarah here, it became just like a nerd fest, like you have, I mean, just Battlestar Galactica, followed by World of Warcraft, followed by Left for Dead, followed by, Jesus, something else, like ninjas or something. Um, yeah, there was, I, got, I, I heard part of it yesterday. There was a whole Stan Lee conversation. Oh, Stan Lee, that, yeah. gay superheroes. Yeah, oh, yeah, the gay superheroes, yeah. So we were talking about the World of Warcraft lexicon. Oh, did we finally get to that gay superhero geek watch? Yeah, we did, but then there was a whole dispute about whether he's... Here's the thing. I don't know a lot about comics, but even 
it doesn't even ring true to me that that's going to be the first gay superhero. No, I would not. assume in the he 70s they would have done it. Now, they didn't get around to the 80s, but I, I do believe that the first openly gay superhero was uh, Northstar from Alpha Flight, the Marvel comic series from the 1980s. Even sounds gay. Yeah. Well, Northstar? North really? Northstar, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, so it, it, this make this observation. So we're talking about World of Warcraft. And I was talking about, because, you know, Kristen Bowie's a big World of Warcraft player. And I was noting that there's this World of Warcraft uh, World of Warcraft glossary that I had read online where they're defining sort of World of Warcraft terms. And the best, the best and saddest term to me in the World of Warcraft glossary was where they had to deter, they had to define real life. And real life was then defined as any activity that is not World of Warcraft. <laughs> and I mean, how great and awful is that? I mean, seriously. I mean, so we were then talking about terminology, and apparently there's this thing in World of Warcraft, whenever you're going to take a break from the game to go have a potty, you don't say that because, of course, like, you, you know. You don't say have a potty? Well, because, like, you know, because, well, like, a Valkyrie doesn't doesn't pee, Sarah. Uh, so you, you apparently sometimes say you will say, uh, I'm, it, it, you'll, you'll type uh, AFK bio, which means away from keyboard, bio, and bio is short for, like, any biological, like, I'm going to eat, I'm going to go. You know, use the bathroom, whatever. And then there was a whole debate about, well, I've never said that. I just, I'm just going to read this, and then we'll be done with it. Rick, best show ever. I'm an avid World of Warcraft player. I put in three to six hours a day after work and all weekend. Yes, I have a full-time job and a wife with the perfect working hours to allow me to feed this addiction. As you said, many people use the bio message when leaving to relieve themselves. I had no idea it's possibly an acronym for anything. I'm more inclined to believe it's biology-related, as in using the restroom or getting something to drink. It's generally accepted as a quick way of saying, I'm going to the bathroom, be right back. On the other hand, I like to do the exact opposite of many of my peers in the game. I like to be clear on what I'm doing so as not to confuse anybody and for comedic value. Typing in AFK, which is away from keyboard, and then following it with exactly what you are doing afterward with no spaces is my preferred method. Here are great examples I use every day during World of Warcraft. AFK urination. AFK poop. AFK beer. AFK, feed the dog. And by the way, a little side note, another great term used in World of Warcraft is when the wife gets home and is interrupting my fantastic dragon-slaying voyages. I will type, wife aggro. It is a universally accepted term for my damn wife won't leave me alone. I will be right back. Uh, if you'd like to know uh, more terms from the fantastic pretend World of Warcraft, let me know, best show ever. There you go. Wow. Wife aggro. I'm going to start working that into my casual conversation, like, immediately. Okay. When I listen to stuff like this, when I hear about stuff like this, it makes me realize how truly, I don't, I, either I'm really pathetic because I don't do any of this stuff, or how greatly superior I am to everybody. I think, we know, sure. I think we know the truth. <laughs> I think we know which of those is, is most likely. Uh, well, let's do this. Let's uh, take a moment and talk to our good friend CNN Radio correspondent, James Roop in Los Angeles. Hello, sir, and how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, uh, with a much better phone line to talk with you. Yeah, yesterday, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be cutting you off yesterday, but every time you would speak, it was like you were, it was like uh, listening to a garbage disposal blending marbles. That's the beauty of Los Angeles and the lousy air that screws up yeah. everything, including cellular telephone service. So I know that you were, uh, I know that you were, uh, you're covering the inauguration today, uh, like everybody, and, and, and we'll talk about that in a second. I don't, I don't wish to, to, to diminish that, but I, but I do have to say, yesterday you were talking about something really fascinating that, unfortunately, because of the vagaries of technology, we weren't able to hear. So you spent yesterday chasing down and interviewing George W. Bush and Barack Obama impersonators. Yes. But here's the great thing. 
it's not like I'm rehashing it because we can get this because I yesterday because Sarah was gone yesterday. I would say like, so Jim, what about that? <laughs> Go to you. And like that, we, and finally, like the second, I was like, okay, we're pulling the, the, the thing that amazed me the most about talking with these guys is that their talent is they look like someone. Yeah. Yet they, they, they really consider it an art. No, 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 it's a skill, Jim. The talent is luck, <laughs> is what that is. Yeah. Well, it's kind of silly, and I, I mean, I couldn't have any fun with them at all. They would not allow it. Uh, I mean, even I, I liked the George Bush guy. He was kind of fun. But were they just totally joyless uh, about the fact that yeah, like, they I had mean, no sense of humor about the fact that look, you you just happen to look like this guy. Like Barack, the Barack Obama look like he's going. Well, I just hope that I can help people maintain the hope that they have for this country and keep it together. <laughs> Dude, you look like the guy. You're not the guy. <laughs> I you, mean, you should have just said that. I did say that. Really? Yeah. Please tell me there's audio. There's no audio. Ah, uh, boo. Because his manager was right there. And they went, his the manager. Microphone. Yeah. What is it? Does the manager look like somebody, too? Does the manager look like uh, Malcolm McLaren? No. <laughs> the manager looks like a squirrel. Uh, it, it, it was really strange because they wouldn't allow me to turn the microphone on until I had done the interview like I was going to do it. The big fear was I was going to make fun of him. Well, that's why I was there. Well, clearly. I mean, what is you it? You know, I, that, that's what I even thought. I said, well, I was going to have some fun with this. Oh, no. No. No, uh, there's no fun to be had. I said, well, okay, then here's what I'll ask. This, 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 and this. Okay, don't ask that. And when, and when you try to ask it, there'd be no answer. Well, and see, and I was making the point yesterday, and I think this is where we, about where we got off. That like the the Bush guy could have made a lot of money recently just by going around letting people just hit him in the face with a pie for like twelve dollars. I wish I would have talked to you before I talked to him. Hit me with a pie. I mean, you should have, and then you could have actually asked him like an auction, like how much would it take? Like, sir, you know, people have a lot of uh, uh, unvented frustration about George W. Bush. They feel he's been a bad president, and uh, there's no real way to exercise that anger. Could I hit you with a pie for ten dollars? And then he'd probably say no, but then he'd come back with like fifteen, and then if he says no again, he'd go fifteen to the charity of your choice. For children. And then just see what it would take. I mean, that's a guy who could make some money. If you, if you were willing to dress like Bush the last couple of years and let people just kick you in the pants, you could make some money doing that. Well, he, he was good. That guy was good. He was, he was fun because he's the one you saw on the Tonight Show all the time. Right, right. You know, and, I mean, he was that, he's that guy. So he knows. And, and he, actually, his acting career has taken off a little bit. In fact, I caught up with him on the set of Brothers and Sisters, which is why I was outside. They, they had a location shoot. So he was there, not as George Bush, but as a regular actor. So that, it, it, it was he was fun because you had the eight years okay yeah except for last year last year was a bummer last year I sort of stayed home yeah it was real but I, I was really amazed at how real they think they are well you know it's it's like uh, I I knew a Very guy. Sad. Well, two things one I knew a guy years ago this is like an, and it was at the right time it was like ninety ninety three. I knew a guy who looked just like Bill Clinton, and I ran into him quite by accident at a radio station event of all things, and I, and he had never noticed it, and I was like, dude, you look just like Bill Clinton. He's like, no, what do you mean? And I'm like, take my word for it. And I canvassed like a bunch of people in the room, and I'm like, hey, does this guy look like Bill Clinton? And he totally did. And this is like right as the sort of Rush Limbaugh was ascendant and that whole kind of right-wing radio. I'm like, dude, you could make money right now. All you do is like you you know you dress up like Bill Clinton, but then you go and you say dumb stuff uh, you know uh, on camera on the radio. Like you could get money for that. And he just he couldn't put it together in his head. And then here's another thing I did. I was at a um, I was working for this uh, this other uh, we'll call it another radio company many years ago, and they had it's like they couldn't afford a real motivational speaker. They couldn't afford to have like Stephen Covey or somebody come in. So I swear to God, they just hired a guy who looked like Bill Gates. 
And they didn't even call him Bill Gates. I think maybe there was some legality thing. They didn't want to run afoul of Microsoft's lawyers. So they actually, was, I get embarrassed just thinking about it. I'm sitting there in the conference room, and they're like, and now we have a, uh, uh, kind of, kind of, we're going to do something a little crazy. We have kind of a, kind of a special guest. Uh, it's, uh, it's a special guest, uh, from Redmond, Washington. And then they bring in a guy who basically has like big glasses with smudges on them and like bad corduroy pants and who just kind of goes, oh, and, and like that was, and they never said Bill Gates, but that's obviously what it was supposed to be. And it's, I guess it was supposed to like, I don't know, provide levity or like we're supposed to get a chuckle out of it and there be, be happier workers. But in reality, you're thinking like, how much did we pay for this? And how much money is that guy pocketing to waste half an hour of my time pretending that he's Bill Gates? I mean, it's just, it's a strange type of existence. Yeah. All right. Well, in any event, um, uh, thoughts on, uh, thoughts on everything that, uh, that happened this morning, sir? Uh, you know, I spent the day at, uh, the Jackie Robinson Community Center in Pasadena, you know, uh, and so there's a lot of old folks there that saw Jackie Robinson break the color barrier in Major League Baseball. That was his neighborhood. That's where he grew up. And then they see this thing. And they, and in comparing the two, they, you know, this trumps Jackie Robinson's color barrier thing, but they they hold them both as part of the realization of Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream that they say is not completely um, realized yet. And I, I had a, I asked uh, one of the one of the guys there. I said, do you find it interesting that Barack Obama, because everybody's talking about how he's going to unite the races, he is he is a united race himself. Yeah, his well, he's, brother white, his father black. So, if anybody can unite the races, it'd be someone who themselves is a united race incarnate. And they look at me like, "What are you talking about? He's a black man." I said, "Very well, very well." Well, and this, which is, I mean, I was talking to my wife actually about this last night, and I was, I was, we were talking about kind of that same point. I was saying that in, in a way, I guess it is, you could say, sort of is the, you know, the embodiment of whatever that it is. Because it's not just because it's also different countries, different countries of origin, and 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 I had to phrase this really carefully talking to my wife because my wife has this um, complicated relationship with her parents, who are very conservative, very straight laced, very Mormon, very whatever, you know. And it's like her mom is one of those like she hits forward and just sends crap along that is just like, and it's got the thousand forwards and little carrot marks in front of it, and it's like you almost just gonna Jesus God, I don't even want to open this, and. Her mom, you know, has already, you know, has already started on the sort of, you know, the, the, you know, the bandwagon about whatever about the anti-Obama stuff, and I, and I was trying to like phrase this very carefully so as not to sound like I was uh, rooting for the passing of my in-laws, but I finally just asked my wife at some point. I said, "Look, don't take this the wrong way, but do you look forward to attitudes such as those held by your parents being?" You know, just sort of uh, bred away. <laughs> I was trying to find a way to, like, you know, because it does seem like, every, you know, it is a game of inches at this point. And we're trying to, get, trying to get closer and trying to get closer. And it's, I don't know if this is actually true, but a thing they were saying yesterday, and I, and I didn't ever see the transcript here, but they, apparently there was something that Martin Luther King Jr. had said where he said that he saw a black president within, within 40 years, that he, you know, he saw it happening. And I, I go back to this moment of all things from Hillary Clinton. Because sometimes I think here in 2009 or you know whatever it is, you can be, you can be kind of short-sighted or at least I can. You, you sort of you know if it didn't happen in your life, some, you know sometimes you, you kind of forget about it. But Hillary Clinton, I love it when people put things in very concrete terms. You know when they give you an example, they put it in the real world. And Hillary Clinton said this great thing, I think in New Hampshire maybe, which is where she was kind of making the big comeback. I think, and Hillary Clinton said this thing 
that kind of it actually kind of gave me chills. And it's when Hillary Clinton said, she said, my mother was born when women couldn't vote. And tonight she is seeing her daughter run for president of the United States. And I remember thinking at the time, like, that was just, that's when you put it in terms like that, you know, when you say, you know, because the Civil Rights Act was in 64, and you say, look, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago that blank or that, you know, whatever. It's just, yeah, it's just, it, and I just feel like I got this tiny human brain that can't really wrap, wrap itself around that stuff. Well, didn't Obama say something like that, you know, 60 years ago, they wouldn't have served? Yeah, they, they, you wouldn't even, yeah, it wasn't even going to be able to serve. And I mean, it's just, you know, and. Somebody was saying, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to be like Johnny Buzzkill, but somebody the other day was, somebody, some guy sent me the email, an email that uh, he was saying, so these are, he, I, I won't make the point as well as this guy did, but this guy sent me an email and he was talking about, you hear this phrase a lot, which I know that comes from the right place, where people say, well, this is a story that could only happen in America. And, you know, I think Barack Obama has actually made statements to the He said, this moment, and it was when he was accepting the nomination, this is a moment that could only happen in America. And in reality, it's a moment that has happened almost everywhere else on the planet, like way faster than it happened here. I mean, really, you look at like the number of countries uh, where it's, you know, where they broke the like the, the, the old white guy chain a long time ago, uh, you know, in terms of guys who were running the country. I mean, you know, and in, uh, you know Nelson Mandela, who went from prison to president in like, you know, just just a handful. I mean, yeah. in terms of release to presidency, just a handful of years. So really, we're we are a little late to the party on some of those things. So. Yeah, but we like to slap ourselves on the back, you know. I mean, we do. <laughs> and you know, anything we can do to make ourselves feel better about what idiots we've been over the past 200 years or however many years, you know, um, eventually they'll let Pete Rose into the Hall of Fame, too. Because you know what we do? Here's the thing. is You know what America is great at? America is great at cutting in to the front of the line and then pretending that we were sort of there all along, like leading the charge. We are sort of like <laughs> that Microsoft. That's a great analogy. That you're absolutely right. We are sort of like Microsoft, actually, in that way, this country, where Bill Gates, I remember Bill Gates in 1995, he's doing, and with the release of Windows 90, now I'm the guy, and with the release of Windows 95, uh, finally, uh, easy graphical user interface has come to the home computer market, and meanwhile, everybody with a Macintosh is going, all right, whatever, I mean, fine. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, Bill, whatever, just say it. So, anyway, our, uh, we're, I, we're way over time already. Are you on tomorrow, sir? I am. All right, my friend. Well, until then, uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and, uh, I don't know, have uh, have something salty for me. Go to In-N-Out and have, uh, have like, extra fries or something. Oh, will do. That's a all great right. idea. Thank you, sir. On my way. All right, my friend. There you go. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, David Walker. Hey, how are you? I'm dandy. You know, I want to, Jim mentioned something just a few moments ago that I wanted to bring up, which is very interesting. A lot of people aren't talking about this. The, the question of whether Barack Obama's black or not, because his, you know, his father is from Africa, his mother is white, woman from Kansas. And, you know, I, I grew up in a very similar um, household. My, my father is black, my mother is white. I was raised by my mother and my father's parents, my paternal grandparents. Um, and I think the interesting thing a lot of people aren't, don't talk about because they don't quite understand where Barack Obama is coming from. And I can say this that I know very well where he's coming from is that he grew up in a world where he never belonged anywhere. He was too white for black people, right. too black for white people. And that sort of outsider's perspective gives you the most incredible perspective on the way everybody is and everything is. Not everything, everyone, right, but right. You know, figuratively speaking. And that's what he brings to the table. And and some people haven't quite figured it out yet because they haven't quite figured because most people have never been that far on the outside, never truly belonging anywhere. So when you say people haven't figured it out, do you mean people haven't people haven't sussed out that that is his vantage point, or are you saying that people are still trying to categorize that which cannot be categorized it's, it's, by definition? It, unless you've lived it, you you you'll never fully understand it. 
And and so I think it's difficult for people to categorize it and, pe- and difficult, difficult for people to, to understand that vantage point. But, you know, here's a guy who, who went to some of the finer educational institutions in the United States and, you know, never fully belonged, but at the same time, there was a level of acceptance. And when, right. you, when you don't fully belong, um, you begin to see things in a different perspective. You begin to see things and understand things differently because you have to see both sides. Because both sides, there's always that person, you know, the the white people that are going to come up to him and go, hey, Barry, I just don't get why you black right. folks are this right. way. And then the black guys are going to come up, Barry, I don't get white people. And and his over the years, his ability to explain that to the various, you know, various Factions is is sort of what's led him to this position. Um, it, it doesn't really surprise me that you know I, I always figured it'd be Colin Powell. I figured right. Colin Powell would be vice president of the United States before we'd ever have a black president. It, yeah, it is sort of. I mean, it's. I don't know. It, 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 again, it's so it's so hard to find someone to do the right. Uh, even for someone as verbose as myself, it's hard to find the, the right words. It's like at the like it simultaneously is sort of. It's like it, it simultaneously is this amazing great colossal step and yet at the same time you kind of go ah well it's uh, great and that's done we can move on you know yeah it it was we were a long time getting to that step and that's the that's the key but then when you stop and think about it when we were kids martin luther king jr's birthday was not a holiday right i mean and and that in and of itself says a lot i mean when there was so much opposition to his birthday being named a national holiday. And there were states who refused to accept it. Arizona was one of them. There's right. a big, huge controversy. Courtesy of John McCain, by the way. Exactly, which people forget, yeah. which is the importance of, of just cramming history in their face. Totally. And so that's why I just I love to pull out what I call my Iran-Contra card. I pull that one out. That one's going to be good for at least another 20 years or so. <laughs> oh, yeah? What about the Iran-Contra affair? Bam! Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean during, the, during this last campaign, not to be... Not to be rehashing the campaign, which is which is over. Hey, look, he's uh, they swore him in today, like yeah. it's it's done. But uh, but I, during the campaign, I mean, that was the thing that they kept McCain's people clearly tried to get out in front of it. Yeah, like what about this business where he opposed MLK? Shh, no, it's it was a youthful indiscretion. <laughs> and they kept trying, and they kept trying to play that like like well, he's uh, well, you know, that was then. Uh, Mr., you know, Senator McCain is really. Uh, you know, he's become his eyes have been open to something. It's like he was like he was like a hundred years old then yeah. when he was opposed to it. He, he, so. It's not that. That's the thing. It wasn't that long ago. Right. right. And so I, I think that the feeling that you're talking about uh, that a lot of people are having is just because it, we're so. It took us so long to get there. Right. You know, I mean, we we look back at you were talking about Nelson Mandela. We look back and it's like it's it's difficult to remember. You know. That there was apartheid in South right. Africa. There's, I mean, I was looking through something the other day, and I found this, you know, my ban apartheid button, and I was thinking about, you know, Sun City being right. that, you know, that whole movement in the in the 80s, you know, of, you know, artists united Not against gonna apartheid. Not going to play Sun City. Exactly. And all of that stuff doesn't have meaning to a younger generation. They don't know how bad... It really was because we, you know, both nationally and internationally, we are a race of illiterates who can't remember past five minutes ago. Right. You know, so. And um, I mean, look, don't let's let's have no illusions about this. We are contributing to that here on this program every day. <laughs> I have no I have no illusions about the, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 we are we are contributing to the coarsening of the of, of the national dialogue here. I've, and so my my thing with Obama and I guess. And see, and it's hard to say this without making it sound like, well, I, I, Rick Emerson, am more enlightened. I mean, we all, I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, just to call it what it is. I mean, there's, there's, there's people who were bothered by the idea of a black guy being president, and there's people who weren't. People are like, well, you know, whatever. And so, 
I think, as you were saying, it's just taken so long, and it's just been this, just this endless just march of inches to get here. And it seemed like we were talking about this, and, and you know, it, 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 this, this election was just so... Like when it was over, like when, when and as we famously told the story, I was out of the room when it happened. I had actually ducked into the hallway at, uh, at the... Uh, um, at Grand Central Bowl, which is where we were doing our big yeah. election night broadcast, I'd actually ducked into the hallway to ask Susan Reynolds about something, and I came back in, and I'm like, why is it so loud? What? And everybody's shushing me, and I'm like, what? And then I look at the screen, it's like, Barack Obama elected president, so I wasn't even there. I missed yeah, it. Yeah, that was Tim and my special bonding time. You were yeah. gone. So I, I missed it. But um, but anyway, but you know, but one the next day, it was just like this whole sense of like, because you realize you've been carrying around this stress, because I think... I think for a lot of, I mean, and I'm a big bleeding heart, everybody sort of knows this, but it's like you kind of saw something kind of within reach. Like you yes. saw the kind of, you know, you were like, okay, we're almost at the finish line. And you saw it, and then it was done. And there was all of this stress over this fear that it was somehow not going to happen or that it was going to get snatched away at the last moment. And now it's coupled, from my perspective anyway, with this a enormous relief of like, all right, done, finished, one in the win column, bada bing, check it off the list, and then also where you where you can sort of you kind of look at, at at us as a society or as a country or as a whole and kind of go, all right, now that you know now that we've done it, it's not that it wasn't hard, but like yeah. okay, that wasn't such a big deal, was it? Yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> come on, let's go next. It's you like know? when you're working up the nerve to ask that girl out to the prom or something right. like that, and you, you're stressing and stressing and stressing. And I think that, you know, when the people who compare Obama to Jackie Robinson and then the, the people who poo-poo on that comparison, right. go, well, it's baseball and it's the presidency, are so off base. I mean, it's a great comparison because when you look at how opposed people were to Jackie Robinson playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers and, you know, the impact that it had. You know, people said, well, a Negro will never be able to play in the right. major leagues, and it, it, it'll it'll never happen. And then you look at it now, you look at not just baseball, but what it did for both basketball. I mean, there was a time when basketball was segregated. There was a time when the NFL was segregated. There was a time when every major sports was were all white, and people said, oh, well, the, you know, black people will never be able to excel in these sports. And then you look what happens. I mean, even in music, we're both old enough to remember when MTV did not play sure. black music. Lily Whites. Period. Yeah. No, no hip-hop. When, when they introduced... Um, Yo MTV Raps, it was like this huge deal. Right. And rap got 30 minutes a day in their program. Seriously. You'll be over here. Yeah. And uh, everything else will be over here. And, right. and so it's, it's, it's a very tremendous thing. And people, we look at the bits and pieces without looking at the whole picture. And if you look at the whole picture, a lot of what happened with the election of Barack Obama makes absolute sense. But we, we as a society have the inability we see everything very fragmented. We don't see the big picture. I think. Right, and I and so I, I think we're way way over time. Yeah. We got a break here in a second, <laughs> but I shoot you. Just if I could do one one final thing, we were talking about the uh, the Sam Adams thing today. To me, it's like the gay marriage thing is the same way to me. Where yeah. it's like I just and I learned long ago that I, I I don't really do like a political talk show anymore, like you know issue like debate stuff. And I just just because talk radio is different, and I'm I'm kind of a different person. And there was a time when I would you know gun control, call now, and you know whatever, and it would just be that. Uh, but even even when I was doing uh, sort of very combative kind of confrontational talk radio, I learned early on that like for some reason like the gay marriage thing was that thing I just couldn't talk about because I just went nuclear about it. Yeah. Because it, again, it's the same thing where it's just like such the, such this excruciating march for something that like you know when it finally as I think we see there's like three different states now where you can do it. Not even counting California, I think there's three other states yeah. where you can get married. And where you just kind of like and. Look, and we're all still here, and society hasn't been reduced to a cinder. So why don't we all just buck up, huh? Yeah. All right? <laughs> Jesus.
For the love of God. All right. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. More from David Walker. Uh, let's see. Don Taylor will be joining us later on. Katie Darrell from TMZ. Your phone calls and more. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come, uh, Don Taylor from Film.com. Katie Darrell. There's a bubbling, sunshiny ray of enthusiasm and light. Uh, we'll talk to her later on. David Walker is here. We'll do the top five. Just going to read this one final email here. Rick, uh, let's see about the inauguration. Dude, give George Bush a break. He says, I am getting sick of gloating from people who pretend to preach coming together one second and then bash George Bush so gleefully uh, the whole time. And let, me, let it be known that I don't ever preach uh, unity or coming together or any sort of cohesion at all. Uh, the Rick Emerson Show is constantly rooting for discord, chaos, strife, and uh, an embittered nature for all. So, really, let's have no illusions about that. All right. Hello, David Walker. Hello, how are you? I am fantastic. Once again, David Walker at the news desk. All right. Well, let's see. In case anybody wasn't paying attention today, Barack Obama is officially president of the United States of America. Yeah. George Bush is gone. That's right. And uh, breaking news that Senator Ted Kennedy did collapse today during an inaugural luncheon. Um, he is uh, reportedly alert at this point. And, and joking told, with physicians? Uh, well, he was he, not necessarily joking, but he did tell Senator Chris Dodd of Connecticut that uh, I'll be okay. I'll see you later. There's no other news beyond that. Um, Kennedy was diagnosed with brain cancer last summer during the height of the campaign season. And, um, of course, he is, you know, part of the Kennedy uh, legacy. And it's, um, I think it's a, it's a pretty, I, I think people are sort of dreading, we were talking about this during the break, oh, dreading the moment. And, I, you know, Kennedy's 76 years old and he has brain cancer. We do need to be realistic. Right. The, ac the actuarial tables are not on your side. Yes. Right yes he's, if, you know, if I were a betting man, okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> but, I mean, that's going to be, uh, you know, we, we have talked about Tim Riley, who is, of course, a, a, a proud and proudly smug, uh, you, know, you know, member of the Northeastern, uh, whatever he did. I don't know, but he's, whatever sort of Kennedy, there's that umbrella of if you are from anywhere, uh, you know, in, in you know, that part of the country, the Kennedys are... I mean, I think it's a safe bet to say that the Kennedys really are the closest thing we have to sort of a to, to the royals here, to the whatevers. And there's, you know, Kristen, uh, our friend Kristen from accounting works at K2 is exactly the same way. You know, she's from Worcester, Massachusetts. And I mean, you know, and again, uh, you know, Ted Kennedy, I wish him a long life and the best of health. And I hope he's around for, you know, to, to irritate my in-laws for many years to come. But I have to say this, the day uh, that Ted Kennedy does finally pass away, there's going to be a whole chunk, like a third of this country isn't even going to go to work. Yeah. They're going to stay at home and they're going to be covered in sackcloth and ashes and, and just, just I mean, they're not even going to be able to leave the house for several days. It's, it'll it's it'll definitely be the end of an era. Yeah. You know? And so. Um, and it all began with the selling of illegal alcohol. The American well, dream, baby. You well, got to love it. Well done, Joe Have you ever seen the uh, the Rat Pack film with Ray Liotta? Uh, no, I've never Dude, seen it, actually. You have to see it. It's Ray Liotta as Sinatra, uh, Don Cheadle as Sammy Davis Jr., Joe Montaigne as Dean Martin, Bobby Slayton as uh, as Joey Bishop. And then some, some stooge, some guy is Peter Lawford, because who doesn't matter. Yeah. And, but the best part is, what's his name, Dan Hurley? 
who is, uh, of course, known to my generation as Grig from The Last Starfighter. And he plays Joe Kennedy. And he just... And, and that guy, Bobby Kennedy, is played by... That guy who was on Homicide, Life on the Street, whose name I can never pronounce because it's got it's like the O with a line through it. It's like Ivan, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like an umlaut and, a, and an o, and like a like a like a like a schwa and like something yeah. else. But Dan Hurley, he he's worth the price of admission alone as Joe Kennedy, who he just plays as just an absolute bastard, which apparently he was. And he's just constantly screaming at his children about everything. Yeah, there's there's actually a great movie called Winter Kills from the uh, early 80s that's sort of this, the ultimate Kennedy conspiracy theory. And John Huston plays basically Joe Kennedy as like one of the most evil men you could possibly imagine. Yeah. And it, it actually turns out at the end that – or I don't want to ruin the movie, but I will – that um, that in this – He's the Reality. fifth Cylon? Well, he's, no, he's the person who ordered the hit on his own son. Wow. Yeah. We're not so. saying this is reality, by the way. Attention, <laughs> yeah. Kennedy family lawyers. Yeah. yeah. This is... Well, it's, they're, they're not even the Kennedys. They're, I can't remember the name of them. The Coopers. Uh, yeah, something yeah. like that. The, the Joneses or something. There's like this that. great sequence where... Um, there's this great sequence where Sinatra has this guy, Albert Maltz, uh, you, know, writing, you know, writing a film for him. And, of course, Maltz was on the blacklist and whatever because of the McCarthy era. And Joe Kennedy is trying to get Maltz kicked off the film... Because he doesn't want Sinatra, who was associated with Kennedy, to be associated with a guy who was under investigation by the House Un-American Activities Committee. And Joe Kennedy has this line where he goes, he goes, God damn it! It won't matter if Marilyn Monroe has sex with every decision maker in America if they think that Jack is soft on the commies! And then he, like, throws his cane in anger. It's so great. I mean, it's just like the most, it's the most scenery-chewing performance ever. So you got to watch that. Okay, I will. I will right. definitely, I will rent that this weekend. David Walker, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to move on to a little light news. Uh, we'll have, we've got some Darwin, wa we have a Darwin uh, watch, which I love. Bed, Fantastic. Go down. Don't, don't, don't. I ate all my cap. Don't, don't, don't. My parents won't let me use scissors. Darwin watch for Tuesday. All right. Well, it seems that a woman, Serena Sutton Smith, age 54, burned to death today after refusing to get out of her car. Now, you might ask what exactly happened. Serena had a serious case of road rage, and she rammed her car into another car, but refused to stop. Kept spinning. The wheels, the the, the tires blew out, uh, and then the the uh, you know the rims started sending off sparks, which got into the uh, the the gas tank set a fire. Car burned up. Fantastic. Okay, no, but this is the best part. Appalled onlookers urged her to get out of a car as the flames licked around her, but she told them to f off. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Where did this happen? You know, I it, this is uh, of course it's not saying where. To move it's, there. Uh, it's uh. Is it is it is it Gloucester or Glo Gloucester? Gloucester. Gloucester. Is That's how they Massachusetts. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. yes speaking of Massachusetts, Gloucester, Massachusetts. Yes. And and I've been to Massachusetts. It doesn't surprise me that much that something like that would happen. That is so great. Yeah. Wait. So yeah. let me just so let me yeah. just get all the beats of this story. Okay. So yes. there's many levels to this story. There's she's mad. She's in the car, right? Let's let's see. Something happens. She's she's pissed off. So she rams, rams another car. Okay. That's the first part of the story, and that's beautiful in and of itself. Yeah. Now. She's apparently 
trying to continue to ram this car. Like, we'll assume maybe the car isn't getting out of the way, so she's trying to push the car. And she's keeping her foot on the accelerator with such force that her back wheels are, you know, that her wheels are spinning, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming back wheels. Yeah. But, you know, maybe it was because she had maybe it's wheel an all-wheel drive, drive car. All-wheel drive, exactly. With such force that she blows out the tires, okay? And then the sparks ignite a fire. People, tr- that's, that's point two. I, it might even be point three because I think if you're if you're burning rubber so much that the tires explode and then you know yeah that, that's good and then the sparks set a fire. That's three. But then it's the best story of the year. People are trying to get her out of her car and she tells them to f off. And then exactly. I right. hope she was doing it as she was burning though, just because I like that kind of panache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like if you have a certain elan to your behavior. That, that that's very like. You know, Doctor Doom out of the Fantastic Four or something. It's it's the villain who's like, nope, I'm gonna go down no matter what, and I'm gonna tell you to f off. And I was gonna go uh, Kathleen Turner, War of the Roses, <laughs> at the end where he's like, take the statue, and like holds her hand, she like yanks her hand away. I like the idea that you know, as her skull is on fire, they're like, get out of the car, f off. <laughs> and I don't I don't want to be rude to anyone who might be listening to this, but if anyone I've ever dated is out there. This is sort of woman I probably would have dated at some point who just cannot admit that they are wrong. Won't let it go. Yeah, exactly. And just you know, and and you just have to let these things go. You do. Right. You can't be so convinced that you are right that when you are in a car that is burning, your car's on fire. No, it isn't. Yes, exactly. A <laughs> hole. Uh, that's oh, fantastic. It's yes, wonderful. I love stories like that. Well done. That is so far. That is, I would say, from my perspective, the eyeball eating thing notwithstanding. <laughs> That's the best story of the year so far. I think so. There's your Darwin watch, ladies and gentlemen. Well done, mystery woman. Oh, by the way, two things. One, uh, uh, hello, uh, Richie Bristol. Are we talking to Katie Darrell? And if so, are we calling her? This is the point where I would look down at the warm line and I see it get picked up. No. Richie, are you in fact in your room and hearing my voice? Yes. You remember me asking you a question a few seconds ago? Yes. Where are we at with that? Thanks so much. Glad you, thanks for clearing that up. All right. I don't know what's going on. Uh, by the way, uh, so uh, Storm Large just uh, told us that she was downtown because Sam Adams was doing that press conference. There's so much going on today. I know. It's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this right now. Um, I wonder if we have uh, – who could we rustle up from a local news organization? Call click <laughs> to, uh, to fill us in on this. Uh, so right, I'm looking at this. It says, uh, hey, Mitch Koff, C-O-F-F of the police association, just told Mayor Adams that he should step down. Oh, for the love of God, why don't you get bent, really? friend? Why don't you go eat a full bag, huh? Jeez, uh, oh, that's what I'd say. Oh, like, he already has to have his sexual orientation splayed everywhere. Why do we have to know who he chooses, what other consenting adult he chooses to sleep with? Yeah, I mean, and it's look, I, and I think, look, I, I think we can just say for the record, although there is no evidence that this is the case, it turns out he's getting it all with some underage, uh, you know, person. And I mean, that's that is a fish of a different color or yeah. something like that. Uh, but this is, but this is not that. Uh, you know, from everything we sort of know, it was, you know, one consenting adult having sex with another consenting adult. So seriously, why don't you just, uh, you know, why don't you go get bent, friend? Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is just in case you were, you know, 
because you've been under a rock uh, today. Former, uh, or former. former. Sorry. 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 Uh, Portland Mayor Sam Adams acknowledged Monday he had a sexual relationship with an 18-year-old, a consenting adult, in summer 2005 and on the eve of his campaign for the city's highest office, lied about it and urged the young man to lie as well. Well done. Uh, Adams said he made a mistake in not admitting the relationship when reporters asked about it in September 2007. He did not describe the relationship itself as a mistake. He plans to issue a public apology, so I guess that happened today. And some nitwit was screaming that he should step. That Siri, why don't why don't you? Uh, never mind. Never mind. I have found myself on the verge of a profanity there, <laughs> uh, and so forth. All right, we'll have more on that here in just a uh, just a few. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ dot com our good friend Katie Darrell. Hello, Katie. How are you today? My motto is whenever I have sex with eighteen year olds, I always deny it. Bam! Out of the gate, you show once again why you are one of our favorite people. Well done. <laughs> Uh, it's been a bit of a day, uh, not just here, but of course everywhere. It's inauguration day. Where did you, uh, where did you spend the inauguration uh, ceremony? Where were you at today, Kenny? On my couch in my pajamas. Good for you. Uh, yeah. that, see, that is in many ways the most American way to celebrate this most American of days. You just sit there and you got like uh, the remote control in one hand, and if you're me, Cheetos in the other, and then you <laughs> plunge on ahead. Excellent. For breakfast. Cheetos, come on. It is. Here's the thing. Let me ask you this about Cheetos. Does it seem to you, Katie Darrell from Team Z, that at this point they really ought to have designed Cheetos or a similarly cheese-covered snack food that does not make the tips of your fingers orange? I mean, we've gotten to the point where newspapers don't make your hands all black. It doesn't seem like you should be able to eat Cheetos at this point and not have to go like, and scrape the cheese dust off your fingers with your teeth. Very good point. I would think that there's at least like a, che- a Cheeto dispenser that we could use that would be able to, you know, pour a little bit better so we get it in the palm of our hand instead of the tips of our fingers. I-, I think you have to blame not so much the Cheeto cheese, though. I think it's that people are picking up the Cheetos with their hands, putting it in their mouth, and somehow they're getting the tips of their finger wet so when they go back in for the double dip, then it's like making this uh, bit glue that the cheese is adhering to. So it's really your fault. Stop getting your fingers wet when you're eating. I, have you, in the space of one sentence, one run-on sentence, which was glorious, you have A, scientifically analyzed and dissected the problem, and then B, turned it around and actually excoriated the public as a whole for their own personal failings in terms of the logistics of Cheeto consumption. I blame the people. I don't blame the Cheeto. Good. You know, I don't I say, I'm going to put that as my Facebook motto for today. Don't take this the wrong way, but I almost want to end the call right now because it's been so great. But I know there's more genius to come. What is uh, what What are you excited about at DMZ today, Katie Darrell? Well, right now we're excited because uh, Dion Warwick, as well as Ludacris, uh, are both losing their balls. Uh, these are the their unofficial inaugural balls ah, uh, have been canceled because of slumping ticket sales. So it turns out people who actually shell out the money to buy tickets for these events that are now canceled are going to get refunded in about 30 to 45 days. But, I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, Dionne Warwick and Ludacris, both of them, couldn't pull in the people to support their uh, inauguration. It's hard to believe that people aren't really lining up to buy Dionne Warwick tickets. That really Uh, staggers my my mind. My mother would love to go to her ball. Are you kidding me? Well, you know, hey, it sounds like maybe, I mean, (laughs) I don't even really know where to go with this. David Walker? I was just thinking... Couldn't she have seen this coming? I mean, shouldn't she have just asked one of her psychic friends and they could have told her? Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. I, uh, I mean, it, I'm just wondering, like, why Dionne Warwick? I mean, it's like, it, it clearly... Everyone wants a piece of the pie, man. I suppose. Oh, so this was, do you suppose this was a thing that, like, 
So in other words, this wasn't something where like, like they came to Dionne Warwick and said like, you must, the people demand that you perform. You must be there. You must sing. This is probably a thing where Dionne Warwick's agent said, now look, uh, it's going to be a big day. Everybody's going to be excited. This is a slice of action. We can get Dionne. I'm thinking ball. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. It, it was a publicity stunt. It was a way to make uh, money. Let, let's put it as it is. It was an unofficial concert. Like, it was a one-night, you know, one-off concert that basically didn't sell, you know, enough tickets. Really? I mean, you know, and if she wasn't going to sing That's What Friends Are For, I wasn't going to be there anyway. That's really the only reason I would go. Uh, what else is happening in your world, Katie Doe? All right. Uh, Cher, uh, we found out her secret to turn in back time. She was at Sephora. That's the crazy makeup store that all the ladies love. She uh, was at Sephora in Washington, D.C., and dropped $915 on makeup, lotion, all kinds of serums and syrups and stuff that you put on your face. $915 in Sephora. Mind you, I was there yesterday at Sephora and spent 55 I, Last time I went to Sephora, I spent fifty-five as well. Yeah, look at—we got the same product. Are now, you looking fabulous today? Now, was it one of those places Kevin where, like, Nars lipstick, way overpriced, but uh, definitely worth it? That was actually going to be my question. It's one of those places where, like, the fifty-five dollars is for a tube of lip, like, lip gloss or like chapstick, and like that's—that's that's it, you know? No, there's definitely an assortment of price ranges there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, you can get your perfume for a hundred bucks. You know, your nighttime lotion for fifty-five. Your daytime lotion for fifty-five. Your your serum for thirty-eight. Your all these things. I mean, it definitely adds up, but I mean, who goes in and like all of a sudden basically has to rebuy their entire medicine cabinet? Because that's what $915 I'm thinking that really at this point, there's probably been so much plastic surgery done that the actual share is sort of a miniature of herself, sort of a crypt keeper thing, and that really is just an entirely constructed like a Potemkin share, like a just a whole, like that town in Blazing Saddles where it's just the storefronts. I think there's just a construct that she has to paint on every morning, you know? I mean, she does look fabulous. She's 62 and there's not a wrinkle on her, and you're right. It probably is because she's piling on 900 $115 worth of things. So you, how could you see a wrinkle anyway? On that same note, see, here's the thing is Cher really needs to get Priscilla Presley in a room and tell her exactly how to apply her makeup. Because whatever Cher is doing right, Priscilla Presley is doing wrong. <laughs> I saw Priscilla Presley, she was on Larry King about a week, week and a half ago. I mean, it was like the, the Elvis's 74th, would have been the 74th birthday or whatever. So they're doing like the big shindig at, the, at Graceland. And Priscilla Presley, it, it, it's not even that she looked bad, although she did. It was sort of like. She had this kind of trout mouth thing going on. It was sort of like this fish, fish mouth plastic oh. surgery. And then everything seemed to be sort of shifting around inside her face, like one of those stress balls that's filled with gel that you squeeze. And she looked not just bad, but actually like an entirely different person than she used to. So, well, you got to remember, TMZ broke that story where Priscilla Presley was one of the victims of the Jiffy Lube doctor, who uh, was this guy from, like, Argentina that was doing plastic surgery uh, injections in people's living rooms and doing these Botox parties, and he was actually injecting these ladies with oil, like cooking oil. You know, motor oil, not the right type of stuff to be pumping up your lips. So she has gone down the road of bad, um, I was going to say bad and good, but it looks like just bad it's and just bad. badder. Bad, bad, bad and worse. It seems like if you're in a guy's living room and, and you know, he's you're asking about plastic surgery and he's going, yeah, hold on a second. And then he just sort of, you're sitting by his coffee table and you hear him just firing up a generator and there's a big hose running into the kitchen. Seems like maybe that would be your uh, time to hit the door, you know? You'd think. All right. Katie Darrell, as always, a pleasure. TMZ Television, of course, uh, tonight right here in Portland, Oregon. And I do believe, I think I may have given the wrong time last week because I'm a terrible person. I think it is, in fact, 11.30 p.m. right here in Portland, Oregon. Hey, I, you know best. I do. Believe. I never doubt you. Uh, thanks. See, that's, you know, and I know you don't mean it, but that's nice of you to say anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Katie Darrell. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.
Bye, there guys. There you go. Katie Darrell. How great is she, David Walker? She's pretty awesome. Yeah. That whole Cheetos thing, I'm ready to marry her. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. All right. Back after this, more of David Walker. Don Taylor will be here from uh, uh, film.com. Uh, more of your phone calls, email, and all that. Like us at 3 Michael Mara Show at 7. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this. Chris Paddock came up to my office. He thundered up my uh, uh, up the stairs like a herd of deer. I got the best Barack Obama song. No, not Barack. Barack. I'm sorry, Barack. O- I don't even know how to pronounce it now. Barack Obama. I actually think that's a character from one of the Harry Potter books, isn't it? He's one of Barack Obama. Yeah, Barack Obama. Wasn't he like a minister in the? Wizardry? Wait, no, no, no. You're thinking of Cornelius Fudge. Oh, whatever. This sounds like a character. Oh, wait. Or am I thinking, am I confusing somebody with somebody else? You might be thinking of Kingston Shacklebolt, but let's get into this. Forget we had this conversation. (laughs) Uh, All right. Because then inevitably it's going to lead to a whole discussion about how I find Nymphadora Tonks to be really hot. And then then that way just lies... That you're that not we, alone. You're not alone, my that, friend. I I think Aaron at one point was trying to float this idea of a top five, like top five animated chicks you'd do it with. And I think I think even I was like, dude, if you do that, yeah, you will hear every single radio that is operated by a female listener switching off forevermore. <laughs> That's just we're never coming back from that. So, all right, it is uh, the Rick Emerson radio program, and uh, sorry about that. That's so much worse than yesterday's solid as Barack. Our love. <laughs> thing, uh, which you didn't hear. But, I mean, it's actually not all that bad. It's no that. That's for sure. Okay. It is the Rick Emerson uh, radio program here with uh, David Walker. And do we have uh, do we have Don Taylor's theme music? All right, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Film.com. Don Taylor. Hello. How are you today? I'm great. I have theme music. All right. David, you could have theme music if you'd ask. I'd like theme music. What would you like it to be? Oh, I, I, I would need to think about that. All right. I'll get back to you on it, most right. definitely. So, yeah, so... Uh, Don actually sort of, uh, I'm not going to say snarkily, but in an email last night rather pointedly said, so um, because you've been doing it every other Tuesday kind of thing, I said, hey, you know, you, you sound really great. You should be in every Tuesday. And she said, oh, great. Do I get theme music now? And to be fair, you immediately followed up with, didn't mean to sound snarky about that. But, uh, and I emailed back and I said, well, Miss Smarty Pants, what do you want? And she said, I'm a tank from Cowboy Bebop. And so there you go. Bam. Yeah, that's what uh, Rick Emerson delivers. Hello, Don. Uh, hi. It's quite a day. 
It is. I, uh, I, it, it's great. This is actually the second most exciting thing I've done today. I spent the morning uh, shoveling feminine products out of my car. <laughs> Uh, they were about knee. That's where those they were like knee deep. It was. Uh, you should have seen the you stuff I found out. Those are cheaper, very cheap. Seriously. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's been an interesting. It's only Tuesday. I mean, and it already seems like we've had about nine days worth of uh, <laughs> worth of content material. Uh, so, in any event, uh, did you watch the uh, inauguration this morning? Actually, no. I'm sorry, I, I missed history apparently because I was sitting there tippy typing away at my little did writing Did you TiVo job. history at least? No. It, it'll be on. It's, it'll, I could I could turn on CNN tonight and see it all. all okay, over again. let me just tell you. Let me pull back the mental <laughs> curtain here for a second. Just now, when I said, "So, Don." Did you watch the inauguration this morning? Even in the back of my head, I was thinking, you know, it's such a hack question. Of course she watched it. Everyone watched it. Are you going to ask everybody who comes on the show today if they watch the inauguration? It's a given. They And then you didn't. No. So I guess I'm glad I asked. Well, Thank you. Did, it just not, did you just like forget to set your alarm or something? Or? I don't know. I was I was up really late last night, and at one point I was doing something on the Internet, and there was somebody's like... Uh, Bush countdown clock, yeah. and it was like nine hours and 14 minutes and 30 second seconds left, tick, 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 tick. I was like, yay, he's leaving, yay. And oh, inauguration department, yay. And then I got up and I started doing stuff, and I was like, oh, crap, I got deadlines. I got to write this stuff. And ah. and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, oh inauguration. Right. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So you're going to be, so you will be that person in a few years can tell the amusing anecdote about how. Then I looked up and he was already yeah. president, and I missed the whole thing. I missed it. All right. Okay. I think I can summon up. Uh, some of the, the sort of vibe. I think I can recap the uh, the aura from this morning with this. M. Edge Productions. Obama. Uniting our country. America. Obama. It was like that, really. Uh, you know, but with uh, but with a crowd. Well, I'm, I am excited. I mean, I I do believe that Obama is magical. He's, he's like, isn't he though? He's like a, a, a young Morgan Freeman, rivers. and he's just going to come and he's going to make everything better for all the white people. And, uh, and oh, yeah, he'll help some black people, too. That really, <laughs> really, because why are you suffering? It is, what <laughs> is, is the, uh, it, who am I thinking? Am I thinking of Tom Hanks? Who's the, what's the, with the guy, he has the, uh, where he has the prostate trouble? Where Tom Hanks oh, is yeah, like a prison uh, guard? Green Mile, oh, yeah. Green Mile. Is it yeah. Michael Clark Duncan? Yeah. 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 And it's a whole. Well, the Green Mile is like this huge movie, and the only thing you remember is the prostate. Well, because it, because it's yeah. ridiculous, because of the Green Mile. You should have the guy in prison with the mouse. Look, and we I, all would have known. Here's the, um, well, I was talking to, you know, uh, Aaron has never seen, now we're like so deep inside a thing. This is because like three, like three of the four people in this room are film nerds, and so that's the problem. We're now down this rabbit hole of references. I'm going to work my way back. Aaron Duran has never seen a Shawshank Redemption all the way through. And I was saying that, like, that's just, that's like you missing the inauguration. It's just like, how do you, (laughs) seriously, I mean, how do you, it's exactly the same. Can I go out and come back in and lie and just say that I saw it? It's just sort of like, I just sort of took it as read that, you know, that everybody watched the inauguration and that Aaron would have seen the Shawshank Redemption, which is like forever been number one on the Internet Movie Database Top 250 or whatever. It's like that and The Godfather. Anyway, and then he's like, oh, he's like, I saw a part of it. It's like where the guy steps on the mouse. And I'm like, dude, it's Green Mile. You're not even getting the right film. <laughs> but then, and I say, uh, speaking on behalf of all my black brothers, that Stephen King has this, Stephen King has this thing, though. This, he writes women kind of badly, and he does have this weakness for making black characters. Like, they've all got to have, like, this sort of supernatural, like, they've all got to be, what is it, uh, in The Shining? It's the, the, the Scatman Crothers guy. You got the shining. And it, it's, it is, I mean, 
I was going to say that I find it offensive because it gets them my place to be offended. Oh, you're talking about Stephen King and his magical well, black man But thing? it's like they're all... Well, he's from Maine. He didn't know any growing I mean, up, and so... But, I mean, even... Like, I think even in recent works, he has this thing where it's like a, a, like a black character must have some sort of, like, mojo... Like witchcraft ability or well, something. We but, do. Well, well I know, but but you don't like to. But the thing is, like. But he doesn't like to. You don't like to brag. Don't brag but you don't like to. But you keep it inside. If that's the thing. In, in local firm critic circles, uh, we do refer to David Walker as the magical Negro. Well, yes. I'm just saying it's. You, you know what it is? It's like a. Uh, I'm trying to go for another Harry Potter thing about the. Uh, Good um, luck with that. <laughs> I was going to say squib, but that's the opposite. The squib is the is a, is a the streaky thingy. No, no, no. A squib is a is a is a somebody a, a wizard born person who has no magical ability. But then there's well, if you're if where this is just such a weird like combination squids? of like of like inappropriate racial humor and Harry Potter references. Anyway, but we were the, but I was like no no that's the Green Mile and he's like which one is the Green Mile? And I was talking about the plot of the Green Mile and I'm like the millionth person to make this observation. But if I remember correctly, the Green Mile, which I never read and which I only saw once, Michael Clark Duncan. Uh, is this, I believe, wrongfully imprisoned black man who has just m literally like actual magical abilities. Like he can, I think he, he can actually bring things back from the dead, which he does with the mouse. And if all of these magical abilities, the, use it to, 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 write, to write legal wrongs or to bring you know, people to justice or to arrange for the freedom of prisoners who have been wrongly incarcerated. No, I swear to God, he cures Tom Hanks's prostate. Well, that's his only. <laughs> that's what he does. To be fair, that's his only magical ability. He can absorb. God, I can't believe I actually know this. He can absorb someone's sickness into himself. That's it. That's his power. That's it. Yeah, he touches somebody, and he. And then he, remember, and then he, he touches Tom Hanks, and then he lays down, and doesn't feel good for a while, and. Maybe yeah. let's just pretend that <laughs> that I know all about this. All right. I, anyway, it's not like he can fly. I, who, I, I saw it once, and that I immediately was like, out of the uh, the basement of my brain. It yeah. just uh, I'm not a big fan of because that was a Darabont actually. thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I think at that point it was already like his head was beginning to turn into an echo chamber. Well, just, yeah, and this is later Stephen King too. And and you know, apologies to any listeners out there who are big Stephen King fans, but he was already on the decline when yeah. he wrote. Shawshank, and it's like, well, not Shawshank, no, not Green, uh, Mile. Green Mile, when he wrote Green And that was Mile. the serialized yes. thing he was doing, too. Yeah, and it so. was not great. I, I don't remember the last great Stephen King book. I, you know, Bag of Bones was really good. The but first third of Bag of Bones is really good, and then it seemed to kind of devolve. I can't even, I mean, it, it, but it's like, even by Stephen King standards, it's like he started just knocking them out so quickly, I couldn't, it was like, I felt like, uh, that thing, uh, what is it, in, in Papillon? I know there's something in like some, some, uh, some prison where, like, as punishment, they would give you this, they would give you the silver tray, and they would tell you, like, you had to go out and you had to polish it. It was tarnished, and you had to polish it until it, sh until it shone. But the deal was, it was, like, so humid that it actually would tarnish faster than you could polish it. And that's what Stephen King is. It's like he writes them, he's like Stephen J. Cannell at the end of every 80s show, pulling it out of the typewriter, done, next! And just like cranking it out, and I just I can't even keep up. So. His his writing book though on writing that is, is really one of the excellent. Best though. things I have ever read. If you ignore the fact that you know about eighty percent of his work over the last couple of decades has been actual crap, right. his act his advice on the process of writing is 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 excellent. You know, no less an authority than Will Wheaton actually said that the only two writing books he uses are Elements of Style by Strunk and White and On Writing by Stephen King. And so. Will Wheaton, uh, future Pulitzer Prize winner. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> my, my final note here is that Stephen King himself is sort of, I don't know, perversely aware of this because I think he does actually make he does make some statement in on writing to the effect that he's talking about the stand 
and how that seems to be perceived as his definitive you know, book. And he says, there's something vaguely depressing about such a uh, unanimous opinion that you did your best work 25 years ago, but we won't go into that just now. Thanks. <laughs> so, I mean, he, you know, I mean, like, what does he care? He's Stephen King and I'm not. Yeah. So, uh, Don Taylor, what is new in the world of film? Um, well, um, mostly I know about the DVD world and, uh, you know, my love of uh, the overpackaging. Gigaz is what you like. Gigaz. I brought one here today. This is out in stores today. This is the limited edition gift set for The Notebook. Out in time for Valentine's Day. I enjoy The Notebook. Oh. I got a sharp pain in my head yeah. all of a sudden when you pull that out. It was like... David yeah. cringed. I made no noise Can at I all because I'm I the only one that knows this? don't know what you're talking well, about, but Sarah made the Jack Osborne McRib is back I want to show sound. you piece by piece, though, because first of all, it's a big, fat thing that looks like a book. If I could just, on behalf of everyone who has a penis, if I can ask, what is The Notebook? The Notebook is, uh, and, and apologies to Sarah, The Notebook is a really awful film that's uh, based on a really awful uh, book by uh, Nicholas uh, Sparks, I believe, it, yeah, who is a terrible writer. And it's, So this is just all kinds of layers of Yeah, it is, it's a really bad movie with a really great cast. It's got Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams, Gina Rollins and James Garner, and it's essentially... Uh, James Garner is reading this book to his Alzheimer-afflicted wife, uh, and then it becomes apparent as he's reading it that it's really the story of their relationship oh, when they were younger in the 40s. Uh, Ryan Gosling and uh, Rachel McAdams, they have this uh, relationship that mostly consists of them stripping down to bathing suits and swimming a lot and riding bicycles. And then uh, she meets Cyclops from the X-Men and is going to marry him. Uh, except then uh, Ryan Gosling gets out of the army. And What's he, that guy's name, like James Marsden or something? Yeah. Yep, and, uh, and Ryan Gosling uh, gets out of the army and his dad, Sam Shepard, gives him all his money to uh, restore this plantation. Rachel McAdams comes back and goes, ooh, look, you restored a plantation. Let's have sex now. I will hump you in here. And then she says, I'm dumping you, Cyclops. And then uh, Gina Rollins remembers that they were young together, uh, has a, a screaming dementia fit. James Garner has a heart attack. Then they lay down in bed together and die. It's a, it, Basically, it's a movie. The message That's called which, romance, Rick, yeah, in case you didn't the, know. The basic message of the movie is, uh, as my husband put it, uh, you fall in love, you get old, uh, you die screaming and crapping your pants. <laughs> Romance. She's Don Taylor, ladies and gentlemen, and uh... so yeah. So and to celebrate this lovely movie, and it's it's an awful movie. It's actually kind of depressing. The, the great thing is though, it's an awful film, and you were able to do every single beat. Like, in order. We're just reeling it off. I just watched it last night with my husband taking notes because I'm writing, I write these pieces for Film.com sometimes called Married with Movies, where we sit and we just basically MST3K the whole movie wall, and I take notes, and then I write this this piece about what we were saying about it. So anyway, so this comes with a little uh, scrapbooky notebook that has stills, but it also has blank pages, and it says, your story. Oh, my story. God. Is and it's this so, so creepy. Like, Did you see all the stickers in there? That's what I was getting to. It says, your story. Is this, you can write your has, own couple's tale? It has photo corners, so you can put in photos, and little stickers that say things like, true love. This is for scrapbooking. This, this is a DVD set aimed at people who do scrapbooking. All right. This will be huge in Salt Lake City, oh, there's the also There's also some note cards, because who doesn't want to use for I personal stationery? Yeah. But when you're doing personal stationery, writing personal notes, everybody wants to do it on note cards with Rachel McAdams wearing a 40s bathing suit. 
You know, it's... Uh, There's no reason for this to exist. No. You can't even see no. Ryan Gosling's this... hot face on the... No. There is no reason for this to exist. <laughs> it's a like, lament that I have several times a week. This is like every... Oh, there's a couple of bookmarks, too. It's every bit as awful as the movie is. I mean, for what... This is one of those situations where a DVD set really accurately, I think, reflects the movie. This is a polar twin for that uh, that uh, Army of Darkness thing that comes bound in the the, the Necronomicon with the, yeah. the biting mouth or whatever. This is sort of like at the opposite. This yeah. is the, the, the yang to yeah, that. Yeah, Whereas that is for uh, for Bruce Campbell loving geese. Yes. This is for women who have the the country kitchens with the blue geese wearing the bandanas. <laughs> totally. I was actually just going to say an entire kitchen set as designed by Holly Hobby. Yeah. Totally. Wow. I have no idea what this retails for, but uh, too much. But, but if this is your bailiwick, uh, it's uh, on shelves today in stores. Huzzah. <laughs> <laughs> there's really no way to talk about I, I see that, right. and I think to myself, you know, there's there are women out there right now who think, oh, that's so sweet, that's so romantic, and then I think to myself, that's why I'm no longer dating. Totally. That's <laughs> because it's it's it, that's poison right there. Well, you want to, but that's the thing you got to look for, like in the house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's uh, you know, and she. Like I look for it. copies of Napoleon Dynamite. Do you really? Oh yeah. Like if I guess so when a guy like uh, that goes takes to them down to, significantly in points. So when the woman goes to powder her nose, you're like looking at the shelf, and if you scope this there, then it's like you just no. Unless there's a good excuse as to why that's in their home. That's your like, give fake phone number. All right. Uh, you plant, plant seeds now of early morning meeting. I must attend. All right. Uh, back after this with Don Taylor, David Walker, like us at three. Michael Marishow at seven. Still to come, the top five. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson show. the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. All right, so we spent like seven minutes in here just railing on Napoleon Dynamite to each other. It really was like an Amway meeting. We're just selling each other products that no one wants. Just sitting here reaffirming each other's opinions about Napoleon Dynamite. So when you go to a... I have to just, just go back on this for just one second. So when you go to a guy's house, though, if you see... If you see, is it just Napoleon Dynamite? Or um, you... There are a few, but Napoleon Dynamite is, is my number one. Just a deal I breaker. Same, I have the same problems with it. No, it hasn't been a deal breaker, but let's just say every person that you know has had it that I've dated, I'm not dating anymore. So it was, um, it was a bit of a, uh, it was an indicator. A little bit, like if I, I'll, I'll look point at it because sometimes you get free movies. Like I have free movies from That's things. True. I'm just like, so I will, I'll try and find the origin of the movie. Right. I'll be like, oh, so you know, where'd you get that? And they'll be like, oh, you know, my my brother left it at my house. Ah, like, oh, okay. okay. That's all right. I'm sorry. I bought it the day it came out. Yeah, but if they're like, oh, I willingly purchased this and think it's the most hilarious movie ever, yeah. it's just like shh, down a bunch of pegs. Scott Daly. <clears throat> sorry. There'll come a point where you don't even give them the pegs anymore. You're just out. You just look at yeah. it and go, yeah. you're just, you're just. Because I don't you're know young. how you can communicate you're with young. somebody if your senses of humor are that different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or. Just... I, I walked out on a date once in the middle of the date because the guy told me that uh, he thought. Rush Limbaugh made a lot of really good points. <laughs> no, no, no. I think he's got a lot to say. And I did. I just put down, took my napkin up out of my pants, and I just left. Yeah, it's like, it. because really, where are you going to, I mean, it is the canary in the coal mine. You know, <laughs> so where are you going to go from there? Yeah. Uh, I've had enough of those. I call those my Travis Bickle moments, where like you remember in Taxi Driver. Why do I driver? suspect you have a lot of those? <laughs> taxi Driver. He takes her to the to see the porno. Yeah. And I've I've never taken anyone to see a porno, but I've I've watched movies with women I've been dating, and and their reaction sometimes has just been 
I, my, they, I, I remember we were watching, I think it was Evil Dead 2 on video with someone once, and the thing she said that came out of her mouth, I was like, okay, I'm taking you home now. Yeah, this is, we're not going to. It's like there's no point in trying because, um, yeah, you're stupid and <laughs> I just can't, you know. This isn't going to <laughs> yeah. work. On the other hand, though, sometimes it, it works the opposite way because, like, when I first met my husband, our very first conversation, we were talking about movies, and the subject of Peter Jackson came up when we mentioned with the, some, about the Frighteners. And I said, he also made this, this other really good movie, Dead Alive, and he looked at me and went, you saw Dead Alive? And I said, yeah, he goes, what did you think of it? I said, oh, I loved it. And I saw his eyes light up like, a girl who likes zombie movies. She's so. a keeper. Yeah. So, uh, I kick ass for the Lord. It's the only thing I really remember about that. That and the uh, pus in the soup. That's it. Uh, uh, one final tiny note. This is many, many years ago, but I, uh, there was a... It was back on... It, was, it couldn't have been on Betamax, but it was, like, it was on VHS, definitely. Uh, when I was living in Utah, I went to this girl's house, and she had... Uh, Blood-sucking freaks, mm. I think, <laughs> is the name of the horror yeah. movie. All I remember is there was a sequence where they drilled a hole in a guy's head, and then they were like, they were like drinking, drinking what it, like his brain fluid with a straw or something, while like a satanic orgy happened in the background. And like this is the movie. She didn't even ask. Like we went to her house and she put it on in the background. <laughs> in and the I, background, Rick. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, you know, and I said, "What's that?" She goes, "Blood-sucking freaks." It's the best movie ever. And I was like, okay, <laughs> fantastic. That's what, oh, wait, hold on a second. Do we have, hey, Richie, is this breaking news on line two? What, is, what am I looking at? What, I'm looking at the description here. What is line two? Should I be picking it up? You just hung up on it, so clearly not. All right, well, whatever, never mind. All right, uh, it is uh, the Rick Emerson uh, radio program. Do we have the uh, top five prepared? Yes, we do. David Walker, what is this five, top five that we're going to have here? Well, this top five is uh, in one, celebration of Barack Obama. The first black president of the United States. I compiled a list of my five favorite songs with black in the title. Excellent. And uh, so the, the only requirement for admission to this list is that they must contain the word black in the title of the song itself. In, in the title. And, and I have to actually like the song. There's, there's a whole bunch I could have thrown in. And it took me a while to come up with that idea. Right. This was not easy. I don't know how you guys do it on a regular basis. Well, by the way, you should. there's some things we just don't do. Like I didn't do the uh, like top five songs with wind in the title because I just... Sometimes you do it, and it's like you can see the list already forming in your head, and then you just kind of sigh. Because, you know, it's going to be like, wind cries Mary, wind of change, you know, wind beneath my wing. And then you're just like, out, you know, and you so, no. Well, these most, some of these songs I know for a fact you've heard of, and I, I know that you like them, so it, it, some, you know, well, I don't know. There's a song on this list, I'll tell you, that I haven't heard in probably... 14 years. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, these are David Walker's top five songs with the word black in the title. Runner-up, Public Enemy, Right Starter, Message to a Black Man. This is from Yo Bum Rush, the show. That's right. Oh. And, and this, um... It's is, playing in my in queue. Is it, is it playing? I don't wait. Know. Wait for it. Wait for it. Then listen to it in queue. Yeah, I can't. Well, the queue's not, the queue's not working because the mics are on. Okay. Ah, this is fantastic. <laughs> All right. Let me just... Well, just worked a minute ago. Should I sing the song for you? Do it. No, that, that would not <laughs> work. Don't offer here to take it off the table. I'll be the water. hype man. All right. But, uh... Well, so it's All right, not... Let's try it again. All right. And... There we go. Okay. It was, um... This is obviously from Public Enemy's debut album, Yo Bummer's Show. The greatest rap album of all time. Some people would say that it's, that it's Public Enemy's second album. It takes Nation of Millions to hold us back. But, um... Some of us would say Apocalypse 91, The Enemy Strikes Black. I don't know. I, I bought this album 
the day it came out in stores. I just happened to walk. Is you know, new record day. I walked in. What do you guys got? They said, Oh, here's this group, Public Enemy. Changed my life. So this is this will always be my favorite. I, some people argue with me. I think that their first three albums are absolutely amazing. Unimpeachable. No, I mean, and, and here's that. See, Public Enemy is one of those things that I can just go on and on and on about, and I won't. But I will say that uh, Chuck D. I mean, it's just, it, 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 he's the guy, they made me, I, I had to look up the word stentorian, because somebody, they were like, stentorian delivery, which basically means like a guy who sounds like he's about to beat your ass. Um, but, I mean, and this this record, even as much as, the, as a Nation of Millions was a leap forward, this is still such a layered and yeah. dense and complicated collage of sound. And, and they were all pretty young at the time, and, and this is just, um, the only reason this is runner-up is because the actual title of the song is Right Start and then parentheses, parenthetically, message to a black man. So some people could argue that black isn't actually in the real title. Ah, so. no, screw them. Exactly. But it made runner-up. That's so. great. And you know what? Even I have to say this. Even some of the later era of Public Enemy stuff, like music and our message, is yeah. not bad. It has its moments. No, it does. There's just, they stopped making... They, their first three albums were perfect yeah. albums. Absolutely. And so... Excellent. Number five, ladies and gentlemen. These are David Walker's top five songs with the word of black in the title. Number five... Uh, Black Sun. Actually, no, they're in the wrong order here. No. That's okay. Oh, with it. We, right. just, Are we doing these in no particular order now? We can, Well, this is not Black Sun. This is Black Flowers. By so Fishbone. We, by Fishbone. Well, we'll just go through it. We'll oh, go through I them one at a time. I love right. Fishbone. This is off their 93 album, Give a Monkey a Brain and He'll Swear He's the Center of the Universe. Um, I think these guys were actually just in town. Yeah, they were. Ago. This was... this. They've had a long, sordid history. This song is actually about um, black children growing up in America. And uh, it's just an amazing song. This doesn't, I, I don't think I've ever heard this. And this doesn't sound like what I would think Fishbone sounds like. No, they, there was a member of Fishbone, Chris Dowd, who left after this album. And he wrote some of their better songs, some of their really more uh, emotionally dense songs. And the song's just sort of about um, the loss of hope within the black community. And uh, it's right beautiful. Here. Great, great line coming up. And so this this song was written after eight years of Reagan and four years of the first Bush. Wow. I don't really think of sort of melodic hooks when I think of Fishbone. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, David Walker's top five songs with the word black in the title. The next song is a mystery to us all. Yeah. Okay, this is a song called Black Sun uh, by a group, the Brand New Immortals. They recorded only one album in 2001 called Tragic Show. And... Uh, it's a trio, David Ryan Harris, Kenny Cresswell, and Johnny Colt, formerly of the Black Crows. This is just a great album that I love. Um, most people have never heard of this band. Let's see, coming up on the course here. This must be one of those bands that sort of it, it kind of came and went. 
instantly. Yeah, exactly. David Ryan Harris was uh, in a group in the late 80s, early 90s called Follow For Now. I know those guys. Yes. Yeah, Follow For Now. And so he's since had a pretty interesting solo career. Um, again, hasn't really blown up in a big way. But um, he, uh, in 2001, he formed a band with, uh, again, Johnny Colton and Cresswell. And this was the result. Tragic show. I think you can get it for like 99 cents now on Amazon. Excellent. It's, it's a really solid rock album. And, uh, and Harris is just a great writer and a great vocalist. These are David Walker's top five songs with the word black in the title. Next up is... Is... This is... I have not heard this in like 15 years. Black Flag, Black King's Flag. X. King's X off their self-titled 92 album, wow. King's X. Wow, this is all kinds of bad and good memories all at once coming back. Yeah. King's X is one of those bands I have a sort of mixed emotions about. Um, they've recorded some amazing songs, but not that many amazing albums. A Canadian, uh, like, prog band kind of thing, right? Yeah, I can't remember where they, they start. I can't remember where they started out, but they ended up in Texas. Um, wow. And this is probably their, the last hit they had. Yeah. God, it's like I'm back doing overnights, you know, eating top ramen. Uh, this was kind of that, a lot of bands had this, where it's like they do the big, they do the, really the good college try at a single. Yeah. You know, they try to like, okay, we're going to go for mainstream success now. And then sometimes it happens. Sometimes they get, you know, about 80% of the way there, and then it doesn't really ever happen, which is the case with these guys, I think. Well, yeah, their first two or three albums were concept albums, yeah. you know, sort of really. Yeah. That's no way to the heart of anything but a and d table. All right. Top five songs with the word black in the title from David Walker. Next up, ladies and gentlemen. And we all know this one. Back in black. That's right. Um... What can be said about this song? Really, nothing. What can be said about this album? Um, who would have thought? I think you were talking about this not a couple of weeks ago. Well, I think when you were here, were you here last time? We were talking about no, it was Ron Pivo. Yeah, we were talking about this. Who would have thought that after the death of Bon Scott, that ACDC could have done anything decent? Much less their definitive work exactly. by some counts. Yeah. Yeah. And um, God, just an amazing song. God, what a what a great album! I saw Hell's Bells. They did that. They did that concert, I think, last weekend, Hell's Bells at Dante's, where they did Highway to Hell all the way through, and then Back in Black all the way through. Yeah. And it was just, and it's great. I mean, I love AC, I love, love, love ACDC. But you hear these songs so much that you get a little burnt, especially in radio. And hearing it performed that way, you know, different bands, female yeah. singer, whatever, gives you just enough distance that you can kind of get some of that fresh feeling to it all over again, where it's like the brand new piece of gum you pop in your mouth, and you go, ah, oh, that's right. That's, yeah. you know, and it's just, even the songs I'd heard a billion times, like this one. There's a, there's a local uh, Clash tribute band in town, and it's the same way with that. Like, I love the Clash, but you think, oh, I'm kind of tired of right. the songs, but, and Hell's Bells, same way. Oh. I love listening to them. God. And this is... Um, this is the only ACDC album still in my collection. I've gotten rid of a lot of <gasps> albums over the years, but um, I you still are a have bad this. person. I know. I, I'm broke, man. I'm unemployed. You got to sell stuff, to make money, you know. But I, I still own this one. Next time you have to sell ACDC records or anything like that, I'll buy them and I'll keep them in escrow for okay. you. Okay. <laughs> That's not right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the final song in the top five. These are uh, David Walker's top five songs with the word black in the title. This uh, is this is Thin Lizzy. That's right. Black Boys on the Corner from their 1973 album, 
Vagabonds of the Western World. Yeah. My official theme song. I love this bass line right here. Henry Rollins has this whole thing about Thin Lizzy and how Thin Lizzy has a song for every stage of your relationship. Yes. So, like, when you get the girl, then it's like you're at home, like, putting on boys or back in town. <laughs> and then when you, you know, you break up the girl... You know, then it's like, and I'm not, I'm not that much of a Thin Lizzy fan, so I don't really know. But he's like, then there's like a blah 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 song, yeah. which you put on. He's like, Phil Lynott made a song for the high times, the low times, and all the times in between. If I, if I sometimes feel emotionally constipated, like I need to cry, I will put on a couple <laughs> Thin Lizzy songs, and and it, it tears through my eyes. But this is my probably my favorite Thin Lizzy song of all time, and, and it's sort of appropriate, you know, again. Black president of the United States inaugurated today. Uh, Phil Lynott was a uh, black father, white mother. I- Ireland's number one rocker. Yeah. Um, and sort of up the whole game of what rock really was in the 70s. I mean, then then was in Judas Priest, really, I think, and then ACDC. Uh, well done. Yeah. Right, sir. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, before we do anything else, we want to thank David Walker for coming in and gracing us with his presence and life-loving hate. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Not pleasure is all. all mine. Not at all. Uh, and what, is your, what is your tattoo on your right uh, arm, if I can ask that? Uh, it's a Native American symbol. Uh, one is Father Sky, the other is Mother Earth. Cosmic balance. It's part of what helps keep me so positive-minded. I'm such a retard. I thought it was like a kiss. <laughs> not like one was like Peter Chris and one was... Never. It could be that if you wanted to be. Thanks. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Uh, Don Taylor, film.com. And, uh, we'll talk about my tattoos another time. Do you have tattoos? I have one tattoo. Uh, you do? Where is it? Uh, on my back shoulder. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, see, I was going to do a much more interesting guessing game than that, but now yeah. I can see now it's all right. Uh, so, David Walker, you should ponder what you'd like to have as your introductory music. I will do that. All right. Uh, this is uh, the chance for anybody to pimp anything they'd like to. Oh, just, you know, the David oh, Walker this site. this is America. Yeah. Be shameless. The, uh, the DavidWalkerSite.com. If you go there, that takes you to my real website. It's just easier to remember. The badass with a Z, the uh, mofo. The DavidWalkerSite.com. Don Taylor? Um, I'm uh, speeding towards the opening of my uh, chocolate concern, like a uh, school bus full of school children on an icy winter road. And... Uh, <laughs> um, Excellent. So if anybody wants to go to polydorychocolates.com, you can get on the mailing list, and you will be apprised of uh, of any any doings. You but, should uh, send me that, and I will put it on my website. Okay, and I'm heading for a Valentine's Day opening. So. By the way, you're, uh, the, you gave us some Valentine's Day cookies last week, and they were fantastic. Well, thank you. So, all right. Don Taylor, ladies and gentlemen, David Walker, thank you both so much for coming in. Join us tomorrow when our guest will include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com and formerly a PDX49, Darcy Zettler. Zettler? All right. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented, if only slightly congested, Sarah X. Dillon for AM970, the talker of the newsroom. David Walker on the phones. Richie Bristol. Mm. Uh, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, the web mistress is Bridge from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan. Don't F with me, Reynolds. Uh, like us next, Michael Maris show at 7. See you all tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. We want to thank senior radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, Jim Roop, and Lisa Desjardins. Uh, we'll see you all tomorrow. Bye. My fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today that I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever and begin bombing in five minutes.